Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Game Face, episode 166 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your humble host, and this is my pal, Matt Kyle. We're here to give you the best in video games from the last seven days. Uh, it has been a slow week in video games. Yeah. We have one big one, obviously, and we're going to talk about that extensively. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that extensively, but actually some other stuff has happened. It's going to be a pretty good episode. Uh, just a couple more things before we get rolling. First of all, we're shooting a new round of Pactor Factor this weekend, so questions for that are going to go up tomorrow. That'll be on Sifted, on our Patreon, on YouTube. There'll be a tweet. Um, we've also had some problems with YouTube lately. Uh, we published an episode of Pactor Factor, and like none of our subscribers were notified. Huh. It did 300 views. <laughs> so there are 300 people who go to our page and just check just it for look. stuff and just, yeah. just look. Um, yeah, we've been having all kinds of problems with YouTube lately. I don't know why that is. So I've had that with a couple channels I'm subscribed to, and it doesn't tell me when something new pops up. Yeah, I don't know what's going on over there. Uh, but if you want to make sure that you know when a new episode of Pactor Factor comes up, just follow us at Sifted Games on Twitter, and we publish it there every time, also on our Facebook page, uh, so that should help. Um, but yeah, it's been a big, big week for everything but video games, I feel like. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, along those lines, our first topic kind of aligns with that a little bit, but it also ties into video games. And what we're gonna discuss is spoiler culture. So this weekend, maybe the biggest entertainment weekend in the history of the world? It's up there. I mean... Certainly in terms of money made and eyeballs captured. Yeah. So between Avengers Endgame, which some of you may have seen, some of you may be you haven't, and the big Game of Thrones battle that happened on HBO, a lot of people watching content this weekend that has a lot of spoiler potential. And this has really kind of dug up this topic, at least mm -hmm. for me. Um, and just to maybe give you an idea of why we're talking about this. Yes, I have not seen Endgame yet. And uh, yesterday I was working... Amazing I even let him in the house, yeah. frankly. <laughs> and uh, yesterday I was listening to uh, Pittsburgh Sports Talk Radio. I listen to that a lot while I'm working as like background noise. And one of the hosts literally just blurts out what happens at the end of Endgame. He, is he like a... I'm not even going to say... Is he like he a said. wild... Like a wild, like shock jock thing, or just, I mean, he's just sort of a all sports talk guys guy. kind of are, but he is, he is known to be kind of a jerk mm. i mean he actually says he's a jerk he's one of those guys who's who's a jerk. pittsburgh sports people are yeah. jerks what <laughs> everyone except for one <laughs> <laughs> but he he actually plays off of it he enjoys angering people and then he calls himself like right. the ultimate troll or whatever so yeah right. he he's one of the guys who would have driven past the harry potter book line and scream that snape kills dumbledore yeah or in, just like throwing a bucket of water on him or whatever like he's he's kind of that well, guy well that's not a spoiler you throw a bucket of water on somebody <laughs> right but he so he literally <laughs> spoils unless, unless you're in line for War wizard of oz yeah yeah <laughs> so he spoils at least i don't even know if it's true to be honest with you and i haven't asked you because i don't want to like i don't mm. want to know i still want to have this mystery. i mean someone what you're describing is probably true it sounds probably like, it sounds like he's probably not messing around he's trying to ruin your fun yeah so i'm guessing that what he said is what most people would say is the biggest takeaway from watching the film. That's my assumption anyway. It may not be, maybe it is, but I'm I guessing I wouldn't necessarily it. agree with that. I think there's plenty in it, even if you know what I think you know. Okay. 
Um, so I mean, it's three hours. Like, right, right. There's a lot. There's a lot happens. Well, his crib notes version was one thing, right. and he says it, and I'm just like, and at first I was like, are you effing kidding me? Like, I cannot believe somebody would just do that. I was really angry at first, and um, then I went online and I saw that um, LaShawn McCoy. Why? Why are sports tied into this? This is the interesting angle. LaShawn McCoy, running back from the Buffalo Bills, walks out of the theater and just spills everything into hmm. Twitter. Um, and he's been catching flack for that for the last couple days. Well, then some of it, I th- I, you know, some of it's obviously like, you know, eye, you know, eyeballs and clicks. Some of it, I think, is sort of like that competi- this competition of like, oh, the nerds care and we're going to ruin their fun. But it's like, try like t- turning the tables and telling someone the score of a game they DVR'd. Exactly. Like, it just depends what you care about. Yeah. And so, so part of this discussion, I want to get into the psychology of spoilers and why people would do something like that and why they would spoil it. And then the other thing I want to tackle is why, why does it bother us so much? So when, it, when he said it, I was very angry. And I immediately like turned off the, the recording and I was like fuming. And then I slept on it and I woke up today and I was like, did it really hurt me all that much? And I started wondering like, why do we get so wrapped up in having to discover everything as we watch or consume something. So those are mm-hmm. kind of the two prongs that I want to approach with this discussion. So first of all, I think you kind of already touched on it a little bit on why people would do this, but I think it has to go deeper than that. It's not just, I want to spoil the nerds fun. Do you think it's, I mean, that might be part of it, but do you think another part of it too is that it's something I don't care about and I don't get, so I don't have any respect for the people who do. That's part of it. I mean, when it comes down to it, any kind of like trolling or any kind of like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to do this meme thing to like ruin something that I don't care about for someone else who does care about it is basically a lack of empathy. Um, it's you know, arguably it's a form of bullying, I yeah. guess. Um, like, I don't really get I, I don't I don't care about spoilers that much. Like, I, I have never learned something about a story that then diminished learning about it. By, by experiencing the story, unless you're talking about like a whodunit mystery, you know, where the whole point is whodunit, the reveal yeah, or whatever. Right. But like, you know, and I didn't really, I didn't really know anything about Endgame when I saw it. I did because I just didn't look for spoilers. But if like someone accidentally said something to me, I would not freak out at them. Like it's not a, it's not a thing. I know there are people who would, um, but I very vehemently believe that stories are more than their plot. Oh, absolutely. Um, and also, like... But you, do you think like you can, everyone thinks that way? No, everyone absolutely doesn't think, think that way, yeah. which is why we have this conflict between people who you know, want to just talk about stuff and people who don't want to know anything and want a total media blackout and the people who know that there's people that want those to, the media blackout and want to ruin those people. Because I, I think you're doing three groups there. Because there is a group that, you know, the, the diametrically opposed group are the people that don't want to hear any spoilers and they think any... You know, you're talking about... I saw people, wasn't for Endgame, but it was for Aquaman. Uh, one of my friends on Facebook posted that he really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And someone responded in his, I didn't know them, it was, it was, it was his friend. But someone responded that they were, they were furious that he had spoiled the movie by saying he liked it. And I'm like, okay, we are in crazy <laughs> now town we're in, now. Yeah, now we're and in. he's like, how is that a spoiler to say that I enjoyed the movie? And they're like, well, now I know that it's good. And that's Maybe a spoiler. Maybe I wouldn't have liked it if I knew They it literally wasn't. said, now I know it's good. And that's a spoiler. And I'm like, <laughs> what in the, what? So basically that person like, is saying like, he would be happier if he went to a really bad movie and wasted his money. I guess. <laughs> like, I don't. 
Like I understand. That is the extreme. Like, end, I, when I was younger, before plot and you know not knowing anything and became the the, the watchword for viewing things. And before DVRs made it so you couldn't tell who had seen what. Because there was a time when shit just aired and everyone watched it at the same time. Yeah. And the next day we all talked about it. Yeah. Because you knew everyone had seen it. Because if you didn't see it, you were never going to see it. Right. Or you're not going to see it until the reruns came around. Right. Which or whatever. hardly ever happened. Right. It's like a Michael Jackson moonwalking. Right. Everyone talked about that the next day. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if that had been the modern era. And I was like, like don't tell me he walked backwards. Don't t- like, you wouldn't you even have known it. it happened. No. Because it would have just blended in with right. the malaise it's a lot of, of everything. There's so much other things going that's, well, on. Well, that's one of the, the, the unique things about this weekend is you had two major things that everyone, you know, not everyone, but like millions Most of people, people cared about all at once, which is very rare in the in the much more distributed media world we live in now. Yeah. It's like there will never be another, no, there will never be another thriller, you know, yeah. an album that everyone buys, everyone, because there's no, no one has to listen, you know. Like music was such so much more limited then you couldn't you know, you were kind of stuck with what you could commercially be whatever exposed the ra- to. whatever they put on the radio yeah that whatever they put on the radio had. whatever they put on MTV whatever was yeah. like up front at the record shop unless you were a really dedicated yeah. you know, audiophile and like now you can find whatever music you want anywhere like five it's different places and there's no you know yeah. it's too distributed so I mean that's a good thing I yeah, think absolutely. You know, I, yeah absolutely I I enjoy kind of the phenomenon stuff that what came with things like that but it's you know the world has changed and I think it's changed for the better in that regard. But you have this situation where because of DVR and everybody, you have to kind of tiptoe around everybody's, you know, delicate Schedules viewing schedules. and, yeah. And, like, yeah, you've got people that just sort of, like, talk about stuff and don't, you know, don't, cons- I don't think this is a spoiler, but this person thinks everything's a spoiler. You've got people that don't, you know, the fact that Thanos is in something is a spoiler because they didn't even want to know what the casting was. You know, there's sort of, there's, there have been forums I've been on where, like, you know, the rules become, like, if it's in marketing, it's not a spoiler. Like, if it's if it's in a trailer or if it's in, like, a Comic-Con panel, like, if they say this person is in this movie, you're like, you can't scream, scream at people for saying for saying that because if, if the, if the, you know, I think there's limitations to that because, like, I think, like, say Marvel or Disney in general does a good job of marketing their movies without giving away things that are important. Whereas Sony... If you watch a Sony trailer, Sony's trailers are literally the plot of the movie. Like watch, watch, say yeah, the, it's just a plot synopsis. Yeah. Yeah. Watch, like say the Endgame trailer or the Infinity War trailer. If you've seen those movies, watch the trailers for those, and then watch the trailer for uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yeah, which the, Spider-Man: Homecoming's marketing is done by Sony, not Marvel. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the Homecoming trailer is literally the story of the film. Yeah. Whereas the the Infinity War and Endgame trailers are super vague and mostly from the first third of the film and don't give away hardly anything. And uh, same with the Star Wars trailers. Yeah. And so there's a difference there. But like, whoops. They hit the microphone. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Sam is deaf. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think uh, there's sort of this ongoing war between people who want a blackout but refuse to get off the internet. And, yeah, that... <laughs> and, I mean, I've seen people get mad about spoilers after clicking on a thread about a thing they don't want spoilers for. Yeah. And it's like, well, then what are you doing reading about it on the internet? Like... Like, it was one thing if people maliciously come in and scream spoilers on Twitter, do whatever. Or the other thing that I think is um, kind of gross is, like, this is a definitely a phenomenon you see with Game of Thrones where, like, clickbait articles with spoilery titles go up, like, before the credits are even done rolling yeah. on the broadcast for, you know, yeah. like, like you, you'll see, like, you know, it airs at, like, 6... Uh, here, our time. And then 9 East Coast. It's 9 yeah. o'clock Eastern time. So if you don't have a way to see it at 6 o'clock here... 
spoilers are up on the internet by the by 7 p.m. specific and you might have two hours before you can watch it if you're watching it live yeah. on HBO right so like and I know everybody's got to get those eyeballs got to get those clicks but like it's you just it just ratchets up the tension more and more between the people that want to see things you know quote unquote pure and the people who like we want to be the first we want to be the first to tell you about this we want to be the first to say ha ha I called it you know all that stuff how do you navigate this though as somebody who like us who consumes a ton of pop culture content, whether it be games, film, television, what is best practices for still being able to converse about this stuff and not offending other people or have those or some or have some of those other people gone so far to one side that it's not even worth placating them? Well, I think uh, it's a little bit of both. Like the I think the spoiler phobes have gone way Often to Crazyville for the most part, like because look, I remember what the time. Yeah, you know, the reason that they're called spoilers is because they originally were just referred to in the early days of the internet as things about the story that if you knew they would ruin the story, right? Which is not the same thing as any information whatsoever about a media item, right? You know, those are that's what that's become. Yeah. You know? uh, at the same for me, like. I don't really have a lot of trouble avoiding spoilers. Because um, there's I, a fine line between getting enough information so that you're informed, so you know whether you want to consume something or not, but getting too much. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I've never seen a trailer that ruined anything. I've never, you know, I, I see, I watch trailers. Sometimes I don't watch, you know, further, you know. Sometimes I'll hit a point, like, with, like, uh, The Last Jedi or... Um, say a zelda game where i'm like i don't need to see any more trailers like i'm in like you know yeah. not because i don't want to get spoiled but just because oh, like, i do that just for the last jedi like i just I'm i like, watched the first trailer never yeah, watched it. Like, i knew cool, i was gonna I'm go good. watch it so it's like why even bother yeah. watching trailers it's like why you know what am i you know it's i guess it's sort of like trying to have the dessert first yeah i get people that do that but at a certain point i just kind of like i don't care until i can see it and it's not like I'm like, oh, blackout, can't, don't show me anything. Don't show me. You know, like if I was in a movie and I saw another movie and the trailer I hadn't watched yet for the new Star Wars movie was was in front of it, I wouldn't like close my eyes or anything. Yeah. You know? I actually do know people who will block their ears and close their eyes and refuse to watch a trailer in a theater. And I'm just like, you look like a, like a loon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't find it that hard to avoid for the most part, in part because I don't think I'm friends with assholes for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I don't follow... Problem is, your friends are probably friends with assholes. And on social media, a lot of times, friends of friends end up in your feed. Yeah, I, I've just never had that happen, ever. I mean, um, honestly, you just stay off social media. I mean... Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I don't yeah. avoid it either. I just like... Because if it happens, it happens. I don't really care that much. But I'd rat... You know, like Endgame, I went in pretty blind. Um, just having seen the trailers and kind of knowing who was in it. And, and seeing stuff. the prior films. And, and all... Yeah. And yeah. so, like, you know... But I, you know, I didn't seek spoilers out. But I also didn't like... I was not paranoia, paranoid about it being exposed to them. Um, and it wasn't, I, mean, I didn't, I mean, I mean, probably it's a, it's a testament to how well I've groomed my Facebook feed that no one did that. Right. Uh, I do read Twitter pretty much, you know, a couple times a day and I never, I didn't see anything. I'm, I'm not following the right Sean McCoy. That, I don't follow Sean McCoy. <laughs> um, uh, so in general, I've, I've just, I can't remember the last time someone told me or I, I accidentally was exposed to something I didn't want to know about a movie. Um, now granted, um, if I care about a movie, I'm seeing it opening day or close to it. Yeah. You know, like if I care that much, I'm going to get to it first because yeah, by this point 
Um, if you haven't seen Endgame and you care about not being spoiled about Endgame, you are pr- pretty much dodging bullets. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because everybody's talking about. I mean, when I was uh, uh, went out Saturday night, uh, we went to do that Star Wars VR thing with a couple of my friends, mm-hmm. and I, we were in Plan Check uh, over on Third Street. Best Promenade, burgers in your, LA. Your favorite burger. <laughs> um, and everyone around us, every table was talking Just about it. Just blurting it out. I mean, they weren't blur- they weren't like yelling it so everyone could hear, but you could hear everyone is talking about the movie uh-huh. because it's the it made up one point two billion dollars. <laughs> like if you didn't see the movie, like you're you're a minority. You're the minority. Yeah. In terms, of, I mean, not a minority because far more people didn't see it than saw it. But in terms of people who care about yeah. doing that or, or are willing as to go to the theater, as far as people who would care about something like right. spoilers. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you got to it. And some people can't, you know, there's people who like, I'm a doctor. I can't, you know, I can't. So this is what the radio host said. He said, you had all weekend to see it. Do you, so what is the grace period for spoilers? And is it different for each type of media? Um, so games, movies, film, what do you think is the frank, grace period you I have? mean, frankly, I would. Because somebody today said on Sifted that they were upset with you. Because you spoiled The Last Jedi. No, that's ridiculous. Like, for me, uh, like, if something is over a year old... A year. You're done. Like, it, the, the, the spoiler grace period is gone. Like, I don't care. I mean, like, look, you're going to see people... You know, it, at the very least, like, that's about the point at which I will stop, like, asking if everyone's seen something yeah. before I talk about it. Yeah. And if you care, then stop me. But, like... Three days? No. Yeah. Like, three days is too soon. And I mean, I, you're assuming that everybody can just drop everything in their life and go see right. a film. And I mean, know? look, there are people I will assume have seen it that fast, and there are other people I will not assume have seen it that fast. Like, um, you know, some people don't have the space in a week of their lives to get to a three-hour film. You know, that's a, yeah. that's a commitment, because you're not, yeah, not it's just a, a three-hour film. you got to get to the it's theater. The whole other... You're probably going to eat something while you're there. You know, that's... Yeah. A, that's it's a process. For a lot of people, that's a five-hour commitment. Yeah, And that's a sure. significant chunk of time in today's day and age when everyone has the side hustle. <laughs> and, um, but, like, yeah, I think, you know, but I think uh, yeah, you're kind of talking about, there's two different things there. We're, like, talking about, like, kind of casual conversation or hanging out with people or your friends or whatever and not, like, just jumping into, like, like I'm, I'm never going to support someone who's angry that somebody said that Rosebud is Citizen Kane's sled. Right. Because, come on. Yeah. Everyone, or that Darth Vader is... <laughs> Sam's like, Darth what? Goddamn millennials. <laughs> Darth Vader is Luke's father. You know, like, yeah. like there's just some things that are part of the culture. Sam's freaking out over here. <laughs> Murder on the Orient Express, everyone did it. Um, uh, there's just things that are part of the, the culture, you yeah. know? But if something's three days old, yeah, or even a week old, or even a month old, and the other the other thing that I think is, is do you think there's a difference between TV and film and games? Not really. I mean, I, I if, if it is, it's a thin enough distinction that I don't really draw it. I mean, when you there's also the, there's also you're an element about of like, time, the commitment. So right. with games, obviously, that commitment's much bigger. Yeah. So it takes I, people longer to get through, especially the games now. They're like eighty, hundred hours long. I still long. say like a year. If you if you haven't gotten to something in a year, you probably don't care that much about it to that degree. I think games maybe have a longer grace period in that sense because there's people that will wait for it to drop in price. Uh, I also think there's times of year that you have to keep in mind, like like maybe like I would think you should be maybe a little more careful if you know that say Endgame is coming out on Blu-ray soon, and like that's when people that didn't get to see it in the theater are going to see it for the first time or when it's hitting digital or whatever you want to you know, call it. Like, I would say, like, maybe check yourself a little more 
around the time something's going to come out on home video because you're going to be running a lot of people are going to consume that's where people are going to consume that for the first time or say around christmas for video games because a lot of people wait for wait for christmas to get games or for christmas time sales to get things they haven't picked up previously Mm -hmm. or waiting for like price drops or whatever like i would say like you know be aware, keep that in mind. And, you know, I mean, the real solution is just like before you talk about a recent media thing, ask the person you're talking to if you've, if they've seen it or consumed it or played it yet or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's a different thing from what you're talking about with like this sports talk guy where like the media, the media, yeah, but also the media just doesn't have that kind of respect for us in terms of, you know, they want you to, they want, you know, the ears and eyes of people who care about these things and like the best way to get that attention is to like, you know, pop up like, you know, the hot take on why X did Y in Endgame explain kind of, you know, that's the kind of the basic YouTube video title. It's the basic like clickbait article title. Like it's become very clear that sort of the, the, uh, you know, especially the online media are just not going to respect any kind of time. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying. You're putting up, spoiler titled articles about a game of thrones episode before the credits are even done rolling yeah because everybody's got to get in first and got to get that first analysis got to get that i mean GameSpot put up a um hour-long video like right as the episode ended it was like it was just like live they had like live they've like live blogged it on video and then they instantly put the video up and it's just like who's I mean, I'm sure that must work or else they wouldn't do it. But, like, I think... Or they're at a point where they're willing to try anything. Right. That, that too. So I think you're up against kind of... If you're really a spoiler phobe, you're up against two walls where one wall is, like, just interacting with people on a normal basis and the other wall is sort of this, like, constant media machine that just doesn't care about that experience and just wants to get the clicks. Um, I find in terms of things I find out by accident or find out like, oh, I didn't know, usually about things I don't care about, like, you know, like um, episodes of shows I don't watch or especially like Walking Dead. Like I know almost every major plot point of The Walking Dead just because I I go to like io9. Right. You know, like like they they don't care. Like it's it's like, oh, wow, if I actually watch that show, I might be upset by that. And people probably know by now that they that's what they do. But I think like, you know, the, the Twitter aspect is a real problem in that regard yeah. because like you never know what's going to pop you up you can't in the protect algorithm. yourself on twitter no not you really can't. no i mean everyone has so many followers it's like you start figuring out like you have six thousand followers and every one of those has a few hundred followers and then it just spreads out like it's a virus yeah. basically it's like an epidemic and there's nothing you can do about it yeah and you get that kind of thing where it's like well why should i have to protect myself or avoid this thing that i like this twitter thing or whatever face social media that i like like just because other people are assholes it's like because other people are assholes. Right. I mean, I mean, There's a lot of things you have to do in life that you yeah. don't want to because people right. are assholes. It's not the way the world should work, but... <laughs> Welcome to reality. Here we are, you know. <laughs> um, and I think most people do okay with that, you know. And um, Do you think we overreact to this? Because what struck me the hardest was my knee-jerk reaction was, you're such a jerk, I can't believe that you do that. And then I woke up today and I'm like, you know what? It didn't change anything. Mm-hmm. I still want to see the movie just as much as I did before. I'm no less excited to see it knowing a major plot that happened, plot point that mm-hmm. happens at the end of it. And so I'm kind of looking at myself right now. I've been a part of this. I've been the guy. Like last year, like the last season of Game of Thrones, someone in my Facebook feed posted what happened like in the biggest moment of the whole season. And like I wasn't like a jerk, but I was like, hey, like what are you doing? Like why would you do this? And the person was like oblivious. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you just posted the whole plot to the episode, and no one's seen it yet. 
They were like an East Coast person and posted like, it. Like, what, do they just want to talk about it? Or yeah, and I'm it? like, why would you do this? And she's like, why would I not do it? And I was like angry. So yeah. I'm, I've been a part of this. But after this happened to me again, and I woke up today, I was like, nothing's changed. I'm still Shane Satterfield. I still want to see Endgame. I'm no less excited to see Endgame right. because, in fact, what I learned, I'm like, actually, I may be a little bit more excited to see the movie now well, there, to see there, how they get to that place. Well, there is research that shows that knowing a little bit of spoilers actually does enhance enjoyment of most. Interesting. Things. Like the science backs you up. Huh? That. That's strange. Um, it's, it's counterintuitive, but it's, it, it's they, there have been multiple studies on that, which is weird. It's, it's not going to really change my habits, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would never get angry about something like that just because i know how they do you know there's a difference between plot and story and there's a difference between intent and execution and how something tells you that story is always more important absolutely than, than what happens yeah and someone just telling me like you know well, it's like i just said like now i'm wondering that, yeah. how they get to that yeah. and it has made me more interested in the film mm-hmm um, but my knee jerk that, reaction. I mean, that is also used as a really weak excuse for people who run around spoiling stuff sure, potentially. Sure. Yeah. But like you have, you do have a point there. And I also think, um, you know, I like I, you know, I, I find it irritating when people like, you know, like do the whole thing and try to shut instant conversations. And it's like, oh no, 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 spoil. Everyone has. I'm like, okay, dude. Like, it's, <laughs> like no one's about to stab anyone. Just fucking <laughs> chill out. You know. Like, but it's like, yeah. it's why do you? How do you? How did we get to this place? We got to this place because uh, episodic storytelling became the norm on television. Uh, and that was a long road. I mean, we're not just talking about Game of Thrones. Yeah, we're go back about, to MASH or whatever. MASH, I mean, MASH was, was sort of. But, like, you're really looking at That's kind of where it started a little bit. You're like, I mean, well, soap opera is where it started. But most people don't care about spoilers for that because it happens every day. And also no one um, cares about soap operas. Yeah, it's just sort of, yeah. <laughs> Except for my mom. You don't care Hi, about, mom. Don't care about your stories? <laughs> Um, That's what she calls them. But the, uh, I mean, the 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 pioneer of it was pretty much the X Files, which would have a few episodes per season that all connected and created sort of an overarching. They called it the myth arc. Yeah. And then Joss Whedon, of all people, um, pushed it a little further with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which had season long sort of villains and sort of an ongoing season related story. Uh, Babylon Five in the mid '90s uh, was a planned five-year series of a full one story that was basically written out by J. Michael Straczynski. Um, uh, Deep Space Nine did something similar with the Dominion War story arc, which lasted more than one season. Uh, and then as you moved into the 2000s, you started, you know... Com- social you know, media. So Not just social media, it was DVR. It was the fact that you could record stuff and watch it later. When you wanted. That meant yeah. that if you missed this week's episode, you were not lost when the next week's episode had everything to do with the previous week's episode. That was the previous problem, was it because... That was what appointment television meant. Was like everyone would drop everything to watch it when it aired. But if you couldn't watch it when it aired, you didn't want people to be lost next week because they missed an important part of the story. Because maybe the VCR was actually the VCR helped, but you'd lose that viewer. That was the that Mm -hmm. was the 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 basically the um, conventional wisdom. The other thing that changed things. So what changed things apart was DVR, where you could set your own schedule and everyone could catch up as they needed to and see this whole complete season story. The other thing that changed everything was DVDs. Because the idea that you could release an entire season of television in an easily buyable and, and collectible format didn't exist with VHS because, come on. Yeah, they know? did it with films. Like, I, ha- I still have Films the, you could, yeah. I have, like, the Star Wars trilogy it, on VHS. Oh, right. But if like, you're talking about TV series, they yeah. didn't do that. Because a, t- yeah, a full didn't. TV series was like a... Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> my dad had a couple because he was a big TV nut and uh-huh. a you know, film and TV nut. And so he had, like... Um, 
I think it was Bewitched. He had a he had a VHS box set of the full set of Bewitched, and each season was like this wide, <laughs> and like that. You know, it just now it could all fit on all one of little Blu-ray. It was like a little it was a little DVD pack, and yeah. all of a sudden you could you know if anyone could pick up last season and catch up like that, and you didn't even need to watch reruns all summer. Yeah. So that meant that like you could move forward into this kind of ongoing narrative thing more, and you saw that with uh, shows like Lost. Uh, heroes, mm-hmm. um, just sort of you know, and it did come out of the nerd space to a large degree. You know, like people, you know, sci-fi stuff and horror stuff and that. But that's where that came from. And because you know the ongoing hook of like what's going to happen next, the, the you know the end of this episode. Oh my God! Now what? Now what's going to happen? Yeah. It became the way you consumed. It became all about the plot. It became all about what happened, not who people are or what you know character moments or whatever. That's one of the what I think is one of the brilliant things about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is while is that the plot, while it's interesting, isn't nearly as important as seeing these characters react to it. Sure. And you and yeah. that, and that is hard to spoil. Yeah. Like yeah. Like, like like an no actor's gonna... performance is hard to spoil. <laughs> it is. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So I think that's where it comes from, is the shift of television into... I mean, I'm not disparaging it. I think the shift into more coherent, long-form storytelling has been great. It, yeah. you know, people call it a golden age of television. I think they're I, that's I true. absolutely believe that. Um, yeah. you, know, f- you know, a lot of the stories I've seen on television in the last 15 years have been better than the stories many movies have told. Yeah, for sure. Which is not a thing anyone would have said pre-2000. Like, yeah. uh, you know, if you were a TV actor, it meant you couldn't hack it in film, basically. Yeah, that's pretty many much decades. how it worked, yeah. And, now, and like, you also had the thing where it's like, oh, that film actor appeared in a TV show. His career must right, be Right, so on the down. now it's like, you know, big name it's actors. Film actors just, you know, you want to be in the TV show. You want to be you, everywhere. I mean, Anthony Hopkins everywhere. on Westworld. Gotta build the brand. Like the idea that the, that the guy who played Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs like start in a TV show, and like also that. was kind of like a bit part in the yeah, TV show. Yeah, wasn't even like a big deal. Like, like you know, <laughs> I mean, he got little screen time compared to most people. I in mean, that, show. that screen time was why I watched. Oh, sure, because yeah. Anthony Hopkins is amazing. Yeah. But like that, the, the, just that paradigm shift is astounding. So, yeah. And, but yeah, I think that's how you got to the point where plot was important. You know, above all, uh, rather than sort of the the o- overarching thing. Um, it's also it's a it's a fairly basic and uh, snobby film critics call it a juvenile way of consuming narrative like plot plot plot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a very natural way. You know, it's it's the it's the most basic way at on level on which we interact with a story, especially one being told to us through a technological medium. Don't you, know? you find it interesting that when we talk about video games, this is a gaming show. Don't you find it interesting that players don't care? If we spoil everything regarding gameplay, design, graphics, sound, but when it comes to the plot, they're crazy about it. Does that surprise you at all? I mean, it only surprises me in the sense only plot. It only surprises me in the sense that I rarely encounter a video game plot that I would care one way or the other about whether someone spoiled it for Now, there are some exceptions, Um, like Titanfall 2's campaign, there's something that happens. Yeah, there's some good stuff in there, like, where you don't Although, to be fair, I've never seen anyone just blurt out the Titanfall 2 campaign spoilers, probably because no one played it. Right, (laughs) yeah. Or because, I mean, that's, I think that is part of it, is like, whether something's super popular or not. Yeah, that helps, for sure. Because also, it's also like, when was the last time you saw someone running around posting, like, Call of Duty campaign spoilers? Right. No one cares. Yeah. You know, like, but I bet you you're going to have to pay, be real careful when Last of Us 2 comes out. Oh, yeah. Of course. You know, cause why is that, though? Why, is there, why are there different standards for different artists? Um, well, I think the quality of it. I mean, there's... there's uh, and also, I would argue that um, 
uh, hot take time for a four-year-old game. Yeah. Uh, Last <laughs> Be of, careful. Last of Us's um, story is not all that great. Yeah. It is pretty by-the-numbers zombie stuff. The reason we care about the story in The Last of Us is because the characters are so well done. Yeah. Uh, which is more and more interesting because it's more and more, like, no matter how people want to focus on plot and spoilers, etc., all the big stuff, including the two big things this past weekend, all character-driven. Yeah, absolutely. Marvel stuff's character-driven. Game of Thrones, everybody cares about the characters. People running around lighting votive candles for every major character in case they got killed in the battle. You know, like, And is that the that's answer? Where everybody, that's it's where everybody's a human connection. It. it is a human connection. It's a... Um, you know, and also, you know, you see that with, um, you know, even YouTube stars. Like, it's that parasocial relationship you have with this fictional character. And yes, someone's YouTube or Twitch persona is a fictional character much of the time. It is, yeah. Um, also, and I have, I have a psychological theory about that because I watch, like, a lot of YouTubers. And you do get that feeling that you know these people who are basically complete strangers. I think part of it is that, especially with, like, video essay stuff and, like, you know, people that kind of, like, do analyses of things on camera... You're looking right at them for long periods of time, yeah. and that's one of the ways that humans bond. Oh yeah, is by absolutely. staring at each other. Yeah, and like, but it becomes this parasocial thing where you've done that with this person on YouTube, but they've never seen. They've you never before. seen you. Yeah. So it's like this weird lopsided. You know, they call it a parasocial relationship, and that's why meeting these people can be so awkward. Yeah. Because you think you feel like you know them, and then and you meet them, and you're they're like, they're just I don't. trying to be cool <laughs> and nice, but like, wow, sometimes it's weird. So where is this headed, Matt? Because I feel like. I mean, first of all, my perspective on it has changed. I went through a personal experience that changed me. I think that's good for people. I think that's kind of what growing up and evolving and maturing is about. But not everyone's going to have that epiphany moment I just mm -hmm. had where I'm like, wait a minute, I was really angry, but now I realize it wasn't that big of a deal. So where is this going to go? Because there are just going to be more social media platforms, more ways for random people that you don't even know to affect you in some way and in some cases spoil something that you're really excited about where is this going to go i mean i think it's just going to continue the way it is and um i mean somebody in korea did you see the story where the guy was yelling was, spoilers in the movie theater and, and they beat, beat him, him up they, they beat him up yeah i mean on one hand yes no one should be physically injured because they told someone the plot of a movie at the same time talk shit get hit yeah. and, you yeah, know, yeah, it's like, it's I like mean, what do you think's gonna happen? Yeah, like, I mean, sometimes like you, you just... can't walk into the bar, find the biggest dude at the bar, and just like insult his mother and expect to walk out of there normally. Like, it's like there's a point at which you have to understand that the people are gonna retaliate if you are trying to interfere in something they care about. Well, what I ultimately realized was the anger that flared up in me over the sports talk radio host. It wasn't that I found out something about a movie that I hadn't seen and was excited to did see. Someone something nasty to you. Yeah, yeah. it was the how. I just couldn't comprehend how someone could be that big of an asshole. Well, it's like it's like how like I don't get angry at someone if they accidentally drop like a, a a plot point or something when they're just talking about something or if they don't even if, or if they don't know I'm there or like if you inadvertently do it like I'm I'm cool like well you know I'll get over it it's fine you know I'm sure it won't even really bother me in the end um, certainly bothers me less than someone talking in the seat next to me at the fucking movie theater. Yeah, that drives me crazy. Um, that's the thing that ruins a movie for me, not knowing what happens. Yeah. Um, but someone who just, like, intentionally, like, does the, the I'm just going to yell out a spoiler in a crowded party or, like, whatever, things like, or drive by the line and yell the ending of the movie or the ending of the Harry Potter book at them. It's like, 
like that that isn't even about spoilers to me that's just about being a human being yeah you know like that's that's just like that's what bothered me i'm like why would anybody do that like why would you just want to rain on someone you're just a miserable person mm. but then i wonder why Lashawn mccoy did it the running back from the bills it's like it's, he doesn't need attention he's got millions of followers already on social media like i mean i some, don't see what some people would... i think legitimately don't realize that like People who didn't see it yet might be on social media. Might be reading and are that. they? Are they the smart ones? What? Because the they don't live in this weird world oh. online where, like, you can't tell any. You can tell people some things, but you can't tell them other things. It's I just, don't know. I mean, in that in the case of him, I would be maybe like you know not to be prejudgy about like celebrities or whatever, but I feel like maybe in that world you get so inside your own head that you don't realize that everyone hasn't done the same thing you just yeah, did tonight possible. you know like yeah. he's like he's like no everybody saw it tonight why wouldn't i talk about it on social he's like well because a lot of people couldn't see it tonight you know because the other thing about social media is i think a lot of people look at social media is that's exactly what it's right. for yeah that's true <laughs> it is, like I mean, this I, is why i am on twitter this is why i'm on facebook yeah. so i can do stuff and then talk to other people who did right. the same stuff. And there's also people like you know that lament the days when you came into work and you know like the water cooler discussion, yeah, yeah. which you can't have anymore because someone in the cube nearby might overhear and they haven't seen the show yet and you can't talk about it. It's like so now like kind of that sort of social element of media consumption is gone. It is gone. Yeah. Um, and it's replaced in person has been replaced with digital. Right. Um, it's I think it's just the nature of the beast and. Uh, you know, I think people who just blurt out spoilers should be more careful and, and you know, especially because there's just sort of a, a lack of, there's a lack of self-awareness or empathy in play there, even if it's unintentional. It was just mean. Um, I'm just like, well, why yeah, there's, there's a difference this? between the unintentional spoilers and the people who are doing it as trolls. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, like, like, I'm, you know, I do pretty much hold the opinion of it's just a story. It's just yeah. a movie. You'll be fine. But at the same time, you know, like, I, I, I am not a spoiler phobe, and I find spoiler phobes pretty annoying most of the time, but at the same time, Joy is so f- infrequent Fleeting. in this world <laughs> that there is part of me that can't help but identify with someone who, if that's how you get your enjoyment out of something and you want to protect that, like, I understand why someone would get that upset about, or get, get, get that uh, defensive about yeah, it. That's why it made me so angry that he did it. I'm like, mm-hmm. what are you tr- what are you trying to do by doing that? It's like, it basically, it's... He's trying to get superiority. exactly that reaction. Yeah, he's trying to say, you're all bent out of shape about something I don't care about at all. I am superior, you are inferior. Yeah, and that's worse than someone who just wants to talk about something right. that they saw and are excited about. Absolutely. And starts saying the shit. Um, you know, there's, there's two different levels to that. Um, I don't, there's nothing, as long as this is how everything works and everyone consumes stuff on their own time and that's how it is... There's no way, you know, and it, it is going to be it that is. way forever. And it's just going to continue to be that way, Even especially so. as spoilers are defined as any information whatsoever, and not just key elements of the story. Because I remember when before the word spoiler was a thing, which was the early '90s. I think that was coined around the ain't cool news realm. I think in the early. I totally internet. forgot about ain't it cool. Um, yeah, well, join the club. <laughs> um, it used thank to be God, huge. It used to be huge. Yeah, well. <laughs> There's a point at which you, you know, that Fellowship of the Ring review oh, yeah. was, uh, I forgot about was, that. was really lost them a lot of cachet <laughs> yeah. because it was just like, jeez. Um, that's a whole other story. Yeah, uh, go Google that go, one. Google that one yeah. if you want to read one of the most, like, just fawning reviews of something that has no 
value. No value. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's you're really right. what it comes down to. It's no like value. you hung out on the set of the film and you know the people who made it and you wrote this incredibly sloppy like kiss of a review to them. And no, it's not good. I don't for understand anyone. what anyone's supposed to get <laughs> yeah, out of this. Exactly. Um, before that, the spoiler term became the thing. I remember when I was growing up, the whole thing that people say, "Don't tell me how it ends." Yeah, that was the thing. Don't yeah, tell yeah. me how it ends. No, you're right. Yeah, like, like it wasn't about like, don't tell me anything. Don't tell me that this. Uh, don't tell me the ending. Don't tell me the last act. Basically, yeah. basically, yeah. don't tell me anything about Act Three. Yeah. Um. So like, and I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. Absolutely. But like we've gone into this world where it's like if you if someone can get mad at someone because they said an actor was in a movie. Right. Like you're it's off, ridiculous. You're weird. You're, you're... Or or that like you enjoyed something. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's crazy. That that's is that's the craziest I've seen. Yeah, that's definitely the most extreme. Like I was waiting example. for the punchline on that. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I was like, really? That can't be a thing. I mean, I know this. Or him to do the slash sarcasm. No, it was literally serious, and like those two Jeez. people are not friends anymore because of it. Yeah. Well, so, I'll say this. I'm I'm glad I kind of got over this. Because he said this. he liked Aquaman. <laughs> imagine, losing a all, friend, imagine losing a friend because you said you liked Aquaman. Maybe the the guy who was offended was so was smart enough to realize like it was it should suck. Yeah. And he, it was a spoiler for him that it didn't suck. Well, here's, here's my spoiler. Maybe it actually does still suck. Oh, it does suck. <laughs> That's it's what a, I figured. Aquaman is a bad movie. Yeah, I figured it was. But... It's not a bad time at the movies. It's entertaining. And that's important. Yeah. Like, it's fun. It, yeah. And it shows you a bunch of stuff you've never seen before. Like, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't care about any of the characters. I didn't care about the story. But that man's riding a great white shark and has a spear. Like, this is great. Like, I don't, yeah. you know, Julie Andrews is voicing a kaiju. Like, I, this is crazy. <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, it's, it, visually, it's worth seeing because it shows you stuff you've never seen on the screen before. Yeah. And it's fun. Venom is a bad movie, but it's fun because everyone except Tom Hardy knows it's a bad movie and everybody's having a good time. Yeah. Like, it's a difference between, like, say that and, um, I'm trying to think of, like, a bad movie that really was, but Batman vs. Superman is a bad movie. Yeah. Um, and I, and I came out of that angry because of all the stupid things happening and all the bad war decisions in it. Um, but I didn't come out of Aquaman angry because I was like... It was stupid, but like a I had big a good time. dumb action movie. Yeah, and it's all it needed to be. Yeah. And it, you know, he showed me some stuff I'd never seen before. Yeah, and I'll I'll give you some credit for that. Uh, and I wouldn't even know where to begin trying to spoil Aquaman because God, that movie's weird. I mean, there are still some people who get angry when you bring up the big plot twist from Final Fantasy VII. Right, and like that's. Gonna I mean, be, that's we're talking be, twenty years. Yeah, like. that's going to be an interesting twenty-two years. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be an interesting thing uh, to see both people and the media dance around when when and if the remake comes out yeah because like there's a point at which you're like wait are there people who've never played this before and will play this for the first time as oh the yeah because yeah, they're, cause they're yeah. young you know there's people that were born after uh final fantasy 7 came out that maybe have never even played a playstation 1 game yeah um but at the same time it's one of those things where it's like the events and the big spoilery events of final fantasy 7 are sort of part of the culture you know there's Tons of people in gaming who've been part of gaming for, you know, for their whole lives for decades who wouldn't consider that to be any more ridiculous than saying that, like, Darth Vader is Luke's father. You know, everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. And, like, but I do think, like you said, we're talking about different media. There is sli a slight difference between you haven't watched a two-hour, like, wait, you haven't watched Empire Strikes Back? You haven't watched a two-hour movie? You don't know what happens to Eris? Like, you haven't played 
a 70-hour video game. Like, that's a yeah. commitment. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the games are longer, and so and maybe the a, moratorium on those is longer than films are telling. And I would argue, well, I don't know if it's a moratorium, because you don't need to not talk about Final Fantasy VII for 20 years, but when you've got a remake, like I said, it's, it's like coming out on Blu-ray for a movie. You've yeah. got, you got a remake coming out, you've got, a, you've got the understanding that a lot of people are going to experience this for the first time just simply due to when they were born. Um it's time to start being a little more careful. Cool your jets yeah, a little bit. Easy, yeah, you know, get e- easy about it. And I'm sure that doesn't it just start be to become so argument. overwhelming though. Like, I just feel like in society anymore, you have to think about a million things before you say or do anything. Like, you got to think about who's there, how old are they, are they into this, are they not into that. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just crazy the way society has become. And I think that's why I'm not a big like. Twitter person, social media person, because it just starts to just feel overwhelming after a while. It's like you can't just express yourself and be yourself because inevitably you're going to piss somebody off. You're going to anger someone. You're going to offend someone. You're going to say something or, or spoil something. It's like before you say anything or write anything anymore, you just you have to explore every permutation and combination of what could possibly happen and where and who are the people that are involved and how could that change? It's just yeah, well, it's this crazy. Is, this is why people have gone to live in cabins. Yeah, you're yeah, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. If it was easy to be a good person in social situations in all situations, everyone would do it. But it's unfortunately, not. I enjoy society too much to ever do that. Yeah. I enjoy entertainment. I enjoy I mean, pop I, culture. All I can say is like I don't. I don't have an issue with. I I don't feel like there are people that I know who are super spoiler phobes who feel that I am too fast and loose with what I think is important information or not about things, uh, and I disagree with them in part because my degree is in that. Right. Um. But like. Yeah. But again, that's the 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 spoiler culture thing of like any information whatsoever is a spoiler, which I think is stupid. It is. Yeah. Um. But like. Uh, I, from the other side, you know, someone who, you know, I don't, I don't want to read a plot summary before I go in just for the sake of reading one, you know. Yeah, yeah. My sister does that. My sister, you know, reads uh, the, the entire plot of everything she sees before she sees it. And uh, she's even, I was on the phone with my mom uh, last week, and my sister walked through the room uh, over there, and she's like, I know everything that happens in Endgame. And I was like, "How did she know that?" Because she read a story summary from someone who I guess went to the premiere or whatever, uh, Monday night or whatever. And I was, and I was see like, that's wrong. Then you're teasing somebody who cares. Well, no, I don't care. I, I said to her, I said, I said, I don't care unless you saw it. If you saw it early, then I'm jealous because you experienced it. But if you just read a, a, a text synopsis, you don't know. Sh- you don't. You didn't see shit. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care that you know that. And I know she's not dumb enough to say anything to me. Right. Because that's that's a problem. But like you know, she she was just she was just like teasing me the way she you know we're we're siblings we tease each other. But like she was teasing me, like, I know what happens, and I'm like, unless you saw it, I don't care because seeing it is the experience. Yeah. Otherwise, people wouldn't go to the movies. Right. <laughs> they um, just wait for. And a if you did see it on out. Tuesday, I want to know how you did that in San Francisco because I don't think there were any screenings. Yeah. You must know someone, and you got to let me in on this shit. <laughs> um, hook a, literally hook a brother up. Yeah. So so <laughs> she. I mean, my sister is kind of the extreme. Don't care about spoilers person in the sense that she hasn't seen a movie without knowing everything that happens in years. I honestly don't even think my wife knows that like spoiler culture exists like she just doesn't live in this vacuum that we live in like Mm -hmm. she she's on social media like i think she she has had a a twitter account for 10 years and has tweeted like twice Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of people that live that way that are on social media but they don't get absorbed into it and become a part of the culture of it they also just don't pay attention you know this there i think a lot of them are a lot happier honestly yeah (laughs) like most of the people i know that don't 
get into online communities and culture the way that we do seem to be a lot happier. Ignorance is bliss. And sometimes it is, I think. <laughs> so I'm interested to get your I mean, guys' perspective. How cool would it have been? Like, like I, I've told this story before, but like, you know, when we were we would do uh, NFL Sundays at, at Lawrence's house, and the one girl who went came like almost every Sunday was with it. It was 2015, and like you know, we're we're a bunch of dorks. We're all talking about. Force Awakens, as the year of Force Awakens came out, we're talking yeah. about Star Wars, Force Awakens, and this this came out, and this news, and that news, and, you know, and it's funny, because, like, Lawrence is a giant anti-spoiler person, too, but we still managed to talk about all the news about the movie while dancing around that, and, he, and no one ever got angry about mm-hmm. it, but, um, it's, you know, it was right before Thanksgiving, and we were, we were watching uh, a game, right, like, the weekend before Thanksgiving, and that was when the first commercials for Force Awakens ran, and this girl who had been in the same room with us for all this discussion week for like three week. months <laughs> goes, oh, wow, they're making a new Star Wars movie? And we're like, what is this? I mean, first off, I get, okay, I get it. You, tur- you tune the boys out because we just babble the whole time. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Or, but, you know, don't listen to the nerds because you don't understand what we're talking about anyway. And like, well, who cares what we're saying? But at the same time, how cool must it be to suddenly realize three weeks before that movie comes out, there's a new Star Wars movie coming out. Yeah, you're not waiting out. three years for no, it. No. you like, got like 10 days. I've been waiting for that movie since 2012 <laughs> when Disney bought, bought Lucasfilm. That's what I'm saying. Like, and like, there's she, something to be said for that yeah. kind of an existence. There really is. And I is. think that's why people really enjoy the, the thing where video games get announced like shortly before release. Yeah. Because you're not obsessed. You're not, you're not bringing up your expectations. You're not... You're not getting these impressions or getting these expectations. Beforehand. You're not getting excited and then having it delayed. It's or... just like thing. It's ha- it's out in three months. Go boom! Like yeah. it's happening. Yeah. So like, yeah, and there's a, there is a joy to that. Um, but I'm not going to stop paying attention to movie news because I'm a dork. Yep. So. Well, so am I. And uh, I'm interested. And to if get I stop paying attention to video game news, I couldn't do this show. So yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think this is something that's different for everybody. Yeah, and I, I, I'm interested to get everyone's take on this in the comments on Sifted and on Patreon. What do you guys think? What's the what's the grace period after you consume a piece of entertainment? And what's the grace period for each kind of entertainment? Movies, television, video games. How long do you feel is the safe zone before uh, you're willing to talk about something publicly? I mean, I have definitely hit a point like. If I haven't played something in like a year and someone like tells me the end, I'm just like, well, that's on that's me. on me. Yeah, that's what if I, I cared that much, I would have I would have gotten exactly. To it. And I think that is kind of the argument. I think even that Radio Shock Jock was trying to say, if it was that important to you, you'd have cleared three hours out of your schedule this weekend to see it. I disagree with that, but I think that's the angle he I was taking. I mean, if taking. you're at like a like a two month mark or something, maybe yeah. I can. But three days, like there's people that have things a life. Happen. Yeah, yeah or can't. not even have a life. People have. A, a job yeah like, they have to work like on if, the weekends if, or whatever like like you're basically and think about it, it's like a lot of the jobs that you're talking about that would be that situation are jobs that like you probably want to respect it's like like there are e- probably er surgeons who would have really have liked to have seen endgame this weekend but couldn't because their shift was all weekend yeah like and that's the kind of that's the yeah, person i have, you I have, just my, I have a sister who works every weekend all weekend long yeah. like there's no she couldn't have seen it if she wanted to yeah and there's lots of people like that Especially now with everybody having two jobs just to make yeah. ends meet. I mean, I'm lucky enough. I had the time to see it 7.30 Thursday night. Yep. Um, but even with that, you know, I, I was with a group of 18 people. And even with that, when we got out of the theater, it was like 11.30. And everyone's like, got to work tomorrow. Let's all go. You know, we, we yeah. didn't stick around to talk about the movie much because everybody had to do shit the yep. next day, you know. But, like, a lot of the people in that group were spoiler phobic people who knew that they had to see it right away. I even know someone. And I'm totally who, look. I'm totally. I know cool someone who too. saw it like three in the morning Thursday morning, like because they're just like I'm not everyone. letting this I'm happen. Not tes- I'm not even <laughs> I'm not risking even, it. Yeah. 
And but I, you know what the worst thing? Look, people are that aggro over spoilers. I respect when they do that. Mm-hmm. That they're like, look, I know I'm the outlier. I know I'm kind of the crazy person who freaks out over this stuff. Yeah, so I'm going to take I'm charge going, of my life. Right. Kind of thing, pretty right? much. Instead of letting somebody else control it. So there's a lot of psychological angles to this. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. And it's a there's recent pr- phenomenon. There's probably a couple PhD papers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, if I were going for my doctorate in psychology or whatever, I would absolutely write mm-hmm. that. Because it's something that you're already interested in and you're participating in. And it, whenever you're doing something that you enjoy and you care about, it's not work. So someone out there, handle it for us and then send it to us and we'll critique it. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about football, sports games, something you guys love. I know how much you guys love sports games. I know you love them so much. I'm going to talk about Madden NFL 20 in five minutes or less. We don't talk about sports games hardly ever on Game Face, but I'm going to set a timer. <laughs> Go ahead. And uh, this is the one game that we do talk about every year when they announce it, and they just announced Madden NFL 20 at the Starting NFL now. Draft. Five minutes. <laughs> and I'll say this. It is a pretty big change from what you're used to with Madden. They're actually making some major changes, not just to the campaign mode, which, as you guys remember, what used to be called Long Shot. Um, they're completely revamping the campaign, and that's kind of the story that they're marketing. In fact, this first trailer that they put out for it is all about that. And that's kind of their big bullet point. But I think, honestly, some of the changes they've made to the rest of the game may actually be a bigger deal because there are areas of the game that people end up playing instead of three hours for, like, 300 hours. Um, And so probably that mode, more than any other, is franchise mode. Um, Franchise mode typically is just this data-driven mode where you just grind through your combine and then you get drafted and then it's just one game after another and there's very little in the way of plot or nuance to it and what they're doing this year is that they've created a brand new thing called a scenario engine where they rate and this is weird they rate the personalities of the players which to me is a little bit of a slippery slope but basically what they're saying is and i'm just going to use this example because everybody knows it and i'm a steelers fan antonio brown Antonio Brown, great football player, a total disaster mentally, (laughs) childish, immature, whatever you want to call it. So you have to treat players like like Antonio Brown with kids' gloves. So you can't force them to do things they don't want to do. You can't put them in package groupings on the field that they don't feel comfortable with. Because if you do, they'll start to rebel and they'll start to perform worse on the field. Conversely... If you put somebody in a position where they're playing with players that they like, they're getting a lot of positive reinforcement, they will start to play better. Um, I I think there's going to be a lot of controversy over the personality ratings of these players, which makes me think that they may hide it. It may be something that's under the hood that people can't actually see because, believe me, NFL players obsess over every single rating they get in Madden. Even... Like, a wide receiver will be upset if he has a low block rating. It's really kind of sad, <laughs> if you ask me. But they're going to be pissed off about some of these ratings, I guarantee it. And I guarantee Antonio Brown will be one of them because he's a complete narcissist and can't admit he, he ever does anything wrong. So that's one of the big changes to the franchise mode. Um, changes to the gameplay in general. One of the big changes in the NFL over the last five to six years is something that's been in college football for a long time, and that's called RPO, and that's run-pass option. And basically what that means is a quarterback takes a snap in the shotgun, and then he decides on the fly whether the play is going to be a run. So he'll start, and he'll go to hand it off to the running back, 
But if he feels like a pass is open, he'll pull it away and he'll throw a pass. And that's something that Madden has not done. And I'm very nervous that they're going to try to do it. And Two minute com- warning. And completely botch it. I'm almost there. I think I'm going to make it. Um, the franchise. They're bringing back college football. They're not bringing back NCAA football, but they're bringing college football back into Madden. So in the, uh, in the brand new campaign mode, which is called Face of the Franchise, you can pick from 10 different colleges and then you play like... Real colleges? Or? Yeah, real colleges like Auburn and stuff like that. That's what I'd pick. Also weird that they pick 10 schools. Other schools are going to be pretty salty over that. But you pick one of 10 colleges, you, you go through the end of the college season, you try to win a college football national championship so that then you get drafted and then you become a part of an NFL team. And the goal of the campaign mode overall is to then become the starting quarterback, the QB1 uh, for whatever team you end up getting drafted by. So it's a little bit of a different angle. That because, actually holds some interest for me. Yeah, because you remember Longshot was just about making the NFL mm. and doing drills and all that other crap. Story was good. In practice, it wasn't great. And then probably the most controversial thing of all in the new Madden is something called Superstar Skills and X-Factor Players. And it is a complete nod to like hero-driven shooters like Overwatch. Basically, certain players have special abilities, like supers. So Tom Brady will be able to read a defense and react more quickly. Tom Brady can bribe a ref. Yeah, he can deflate (laughs) deflate footballs (laughs) with the power of his mind. <laughs> Patriots fan over here, Sam. But it, it it's bringing like a fantasy element, not fantasy football element, but fantasy element into Madden. And I think that could be very, very controversial, particularly when you start talking about esports. Mm-hmm. So um, admirable that Tiburon is doing a lot to try to change the game. The fact that they only had a year to do it though makes me very, very nervous. Granted, mm-hmm. it hasn't been just twelve months. They probably did pre-pro before that. But still, I hit it. There you go. But still, in a year's time to cr- try to create that many uh, changes to a formula that, in all honesty, Madden has had problems with any changes in the past as far as them working the way they're supposed to. So I'm pretty nervous about it. But that is the Crib Notes version of Madden NFL 20. Those are the big things that they're changing for the game this year. So for those of you who care about the NFL or care about Madden, uh, there you go. One thing I will say is I've been I don't watch a lot of esports, but I have been watching a lot of the Madden Bowl. I really don't know why. Maybe because I'm just deprived for the NFL and I like mm-hmm. I want to watch something. Um, but I'll say this about pro Madden players: they all have the same team, so they all use mm-hmm. the uh, the card like the card trading ultimate team stuff. That's how you play prof- like professional Madden. But they all have the same team. They all have Randy Moss. They all have Michael Vick. Like, literally, it's just the same teams for everybody. It's sort of like in the old Marvel Capcom days when there was, like, three viable teams in Marvel vs. Yep. Capcom 2 by the time they figured out everything about that game. Yep, and they've all if figured out... If you don't have out, Sentinel on that team, you're not going to win. Yep, they've all figured out. Ronnie, everyone has Ronnie Lott. It's a safety. It's it, And after I watch, like, two or three games, I'm like, it's just the same thing over and over again, and I, I quit. When but, I get a third-person action game with the uh, Fox Sports Robo... Robo player. <laughs> I guy. forgot about that. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. It's better than the uh, Fox Sports Rocket Trail they used to put on hockey pucks. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. They yeah. experimented with that in the 90s for a while. That never lasted either. So, yeah, that did. I did enjoy the thing you, you posted something with like some guy on Twitter saw his first hockey game 
and was like super excited. Like, like he's like, "How did you hide this from me forever?" Like, yeah. And how, like like uh, he, like basically you were watching a hockey fan be born in real time. Yeah. If you go watch hockey, you will become a fan of hockey. Yeah, I. It I, does not play well on television. That's the problem. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of games in person, and it's definitely my favorite sport to see in person. Yeah. Um, there's nothing else like it. I don't follow leagues and and stuff like in general because I just don't care. But I will go to a hockey game at all. I mean, I've, I've been to to like high school hockey games all the way to NHL, and they're all great. Yeah. My saying for the NHL is best sport, worst league. Hmm. Sport itself is amazing, and the league to me does everything it can to make people not like it. (laughs) (laughs) It's really bizarre. It doesn't play well on television. I think if you, once you know hockey, it's great on TV. But people who don't know hockey don't know where the puck is going before it goes there. Mm -hmm. So if they can't see the puck, they have no idea where it is. I watch a hockey game. I know where the puck is at all times. Even if it's hidden by the boards, I know where it is because I know the flow of play and how it works and what the players are trying to do. So it's a hard hump to get over, but uh, give it a chance. I think you'll... Uh, but it's better than the trail. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely is way better. <laughs> I'd rather not be able to see the puck than have the, the, the Comet trail. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Kojima and Death Stranding. He was at the Tribeca Film Festival this past weekend in New York, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, he did a talk with Norman Reedus about Death Stranding. And I believe he revealed the most revealing details about the game so far, which is to say any details. Well, because we had, because we had know none. what the hell it is. Yeah. Well, I think, it, I think the picture is starting to become clear now. Um, he stated overtly that it is an open world action adventure. We didn't know that. So every We could game. probably assume that, yeah. <laughs> We could probably assume that that's what it was because his last game was MGS Five was an open world. Well, yeah, I guess it was an action yeah, adventure. It was. Yeah, yeah. And um, he also lamented the fact that open world games make it very difficult to create a compelling plot. Yeah. <laughs> Example A: Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, I think there are other problems there too. But... Oh, of course. You give, you give Kojima another three, four years, you would have pulled a great story out of that game. <laughs> but he does make a good point. It is harder to tell a great story. In fact, can, I can't think of too many... Yeah, well, there's, there's the balance between, like, you know, to tell a great story, you generally need as much control over the narrative as you yeah. can get. And as soon as you do open world, I mean, any video game and interactivity, you are already giving up some of that control. Um, but once you're dealing with uh, open world, like, and you don't know necessarily where the player's going to be or what they're going to do in what order, it makes it a lot harder. Yeah, so. you can't tell a linear story with open world games. No. I mean, you could, but then it wouldn't really be an open world game. You'd have no freedom. Mm-hmm. It would just be still take. It would be a linear game. Yeah, and even the best at it, like running a pro, you know, like Red Dead Redemption Two, has that thing where everybody's just talking about how they need one more big score, one more big score, you just need a little bit more money. I'm just like, I have thirty thousand dollars. Like, we can buy the town. We not just we don't have to rob it. And everyone <laughs> in it. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to live here now because we bought all the buildings and this is our town now. We're going to call it Marstonville. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, open world games provide for a lot of incontinuity Yeah. in storytelling. That's just... I mean, it's like you, you trade kind of a tight narrative for an emergent gameplay experience. Yeah. That's really kind of the balance you're looking for. Um, it, it, it does surprise me a little bit that Kojima would ever give up as much control enough control over the storytelling 
I mean, I don't think he tells very good stories, but like he clearly has, you know, the story is the paramount element of his games in most cases. Maybe not Metal Gear Solid Five, but like again, <laughs> again, there's a lot of mitigating circumstances. But I think he game. would prefer to keep making games the old way. Yeah, I just don't think that's necessarily you can possible. Anymore. Yeah, and certainly not if you're going to be making uh, something for Sony. Like Sony's going to Sony wants this game to sell ten to fifteen million copies. And one thing I will say about Sony though is that it it hasn't really pushed for games as a service. It has been great about that. It oh, has yeah. allowed its studios to make these games that it's like, yep, when you finish it, you're done. Hey, maybe you get one piece of story DLC. Yeah, well, because you're already engaged permanently with their ecosystem by owning a PlayStation. They yeah. don't need to do a game as a service to you. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, I think they know that they've got you know they've got you on PSN, they've got you on PlayStation Now, they've got you uh, looking at the PlayStation Store all the time. They've got your you in the PlayStation environment already. They don't need to make a Destiny, you know? Like, Destiny is there so Activision can continue to engage with you as much as possible. But, you know, the console manufacturer doesn't really need, need to do that. Um, which is why first-party games tend to be way better, unless you're on the Xbox. Yeah. Um, although, at least Crackdown didn't have shit like that. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> they figured if they did that, it would have definitely there's, been screwed. Yeah, there's one good thing. <laughs> They're hard to or, find. like, Forza Horizon doesn't do stuff yeah. like, you know, like... Um, yeah, you know, Sea of Thieves has been very good about real, you know, free updates. And yeah. Gonna... So I, I think, uh, yeah, the game as a service thing is more of a third-party, non-hardware manufacturer thing. And to be clear, I do not believe that Death Stranding is a game as a service. Oh, no, not at all. I think it's going to be a single-player-driven, although some of the things that he said at, at uh, the Tribeca Film Festival... Yeah, all the connection stuff he talks about is interesting, and I know it's got people speculating about online elements. I mean, I think this game is just going to be hyper-connected. That's what it sounds like. Um, he said the player will be alone, but they will be trying to connect. Everyone will be connected, but is it better to connect or disconnect? Mm-hmm. What do you think that means? Well, thematically, I figure he's talking about like you know people people in this weird, like horrible world being unable to sort of like forge real relationships, um, which I assume is what the baby in the tube is some sort of, form of metaphor By the for. way, Sam is just killing it with the B-roll right but now. Like, he found exactly what we're talking about. But, like, you know, the, the question becomes, like, is there some kind of online element where you can have the game connected online uh, to the rest of people, the people playing Death Stranding, or you can choose to go offline and play it, and that will have some kind of gameplay difference or some kind of difference to the world, and there will be advantages and disadvantages to each, and you have to decide which one is most beneficial to you at the time and you know knowing kojima maybe like how much you do one or the other will impact sort of how the story comes out do you think maybe or how the character behaves do you think maybe the game might be tied into social media in some way could be i mean because that's very kojima i mean if, if you think about the stuff he's done in the past connectivity has a lot to do with it even if you go and look at games like boktai where he's just like you know what Every go once go in outside. A while, right. Every once in a while, you're going to have to go outside. But that's a social thing. It's like, mm-hmm. go out where the other people are. We're going to make you do this with a game about vampires. Like, he, he's always tried to find ways to connect people together. And he, he did say that sort of an analogy would be social media. Is it better that we're all connected now? Because I was saying earlier about how it can be overwhelming at times. Not and you haven't seen Endgame yet. Right. Right. (laughs) Or is it better to disconnect and not be a part of it? And again, I said earlier about how you meet people who aren't like living on social media and they're happy. They're different. They have a different disposition than everybody else. And you can decide whether it's better or worse or whether that helps you be successful or not. 
But the fact of the matter is there are millions of people out there who are not like us and are perfectly happy being that way. Um, I like the philosophical questions that Kojima is bringing up with this game, but I'm also really nervous about it because I feel like we've heard him say this stuff about his games before, and then you play the game and you're like, wait a minute, where was I supposed to get that from it? Mm -hmm. And so... You know, this could be a game where it's just like an MMO, but people don't actually play together. Yeah. But you're just communicating via like text messages or tweets or something like that. And that could be to him the whole idea and coming to a realization. Mm -hmm. Where for us, we're like, wait a minute. It seemed like you promised something a lot bigger than that, but... Yeah, I still don't know what I'm doing in right. the game. Right. So I don't... Look, I am not a fan of Kojima. Like, I don't... I, don't, I think uh, you've made that abundantly I, I clear I don't, I don't, over the so years like, on Game Face. You can, you can tell me about what the story's themes are or whatever, and I'm just like, I'm sure that will be vaguely alluded to and sort of, like, clumsily and ham-handedly brought up by the third act of a game, and some annoying gameplay element is supposed to be some profound thing that was a commentary on whatever, but I don't really... I don't really buy it. Like, I'm, I'm more thinking about Metal Gear Solid 2, which uh, I, I think... Yeah. I think the ending, the, the whole, like, um, thing about, like, child soldiers brainwashed by V... It's just like, okay, dude. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it just feels like sometimes he reads an article in Omni and, like, turns it into his entire plot. No, you're right. And, like, yeah. I don't expect this to be particularly different. Um, like, part of me hopes that maybe the collaboration with, like, Norman Reedus and Guillermo del Toro will, will improve that in, in that regard. Possible. But at the same time, like, I think Guillermo del Toro is not the greatest storyteller right, in the right, world. He's, yeah. he's, he's a visual genius, but, like, yeah. you know, he doesn't, you know. Not, Guillermo del Toro tells the story that's on the page. Like, if it's good in the script, it'll be good in his movie. If it's not good in the script, he ain't going to help it. He's not going to fix so, it. Yeah. Um, and I don't really know much about Norman Reedus and his creative chops in terms of collaboration in a performance realm. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen usually turns in something good to even... He even made a pretty nothing villain in Doctor Strange, at least watchable. Um, so we'll see. But, like, again, if it's not fun to play, I don't really care what it's about. So Yeah, agreed. We'll see. Agreed. I don't uh, think it's coming this year. No, I don't think it is either. Um, um, I mean, based upon what they said it, during that panel, it, yeah. do, it doesn't look imminent. It doesn't yeah. feel... It, also, that panel would have been a good time to mention it. Yeah, so. absolutely. And Norman Reedus, uh, the one quote that came from him from that was, people will cry. Be okay. <laughs> Said you're going to cry oh, a lot hof Hopefully because game. of the content and not because I spent 60 bucks on it. Have you ever cried playing a video game? No. Me either. Never have. I mean, I've been... Weepy. No, I've, I've been all... emotionally affected in that way, but I've never cried. I've been like, oh, that was a really, that was a good thing. It really worked. But yeah. like, I've, ne I've never, never gotten emotional over a video game in that regard. I wonder what percentage. Got mad at him a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been so upset. I've cried. <laughs> I wonder what percentage of people who are as into games as us have cried. I don't know. I see that. I see conversations about that pop up online pretty often, and it seems like seems like we are in the minority. Are in, we? Ter in terms of like the hardcore people? I mean, people. A lot of these people play these games because they emotionally affect them. Uh, I don't really n understand that. And part of I honestly, it sounds kind of snobby to say, but honestly, part of it I, th I think is because a lot of people who are very into games don't consume other media very often. It's possible. Like 
I mean, there's been a lot of game stories I thought were well written, but do they compare to the greatest like movies I've ever seen or the greatest books I've ever read? No, not not for one. It's second. not even close. No, really, it isn't for me anyway. It's like a particularly good cartoon. You yeah, know? like it's a sliding scale. It's but like... even that, but even that is it disingenuous because like I did kind of tear up when I saw the Iron Giant. The and movie. I, the movie. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen a game story that was as affecting as the Iron Giant saying it's great. Superman That's at really the end good. of that movie. So yeah. like, it's like yeah. Um, depends. I, th- I think I think it actually comes down to that whole control over the narrative versus giving the player freedom. And once you give up a certain amount of control, even just to let the player interact with something, you have lost the ability to some degree to tell a story that emotionally moves me uh, because I am I am too much a part of what it does and and how it unfolds. Um, part of the reason stories can affect me in movies and books is because. Uh, I am just consuming it, and I don't know what it's going to do, and I don't have a way to change anything. There's there's almost a helplessness to it that takes you along with it. Yeah. Whereas like, my agency in a video game sort of gives me feel it makes me feel like I have some control over it. And sometimes if you subvert my expectations in that regard, it just annoys me because I know that's not what I would have done. Yeah. But uh, no, it's never it's, I've never been affected like that. I've I've had th- times when I was sad that something was over. Um, ironically, I, I was sort of, I was a little, uh, depressed after, uh, I played and reviewed Metal Gear Solid 4 because I thought it was, and I didn't, I don't really love the Metal Gear Solid games, but like, it felt like a part of gaming that had been part of the, that, the, the you know, the, the landscape died. of gaming since I was a kid was going away. And of yeah. course it didn't, you know, it, well, and I then when it, it did go did. away, it was just more irritating than anything because it was just through Kojima's corporate fuckery yeah. or not Kojima, Konami's corporate. But fuckery. I think Metal Gear Solid four was kind of a turning of the page for that franchise though. Yeah, I, I think it was meant as the end. I mean, it was like a transition. Between... I mean, Kojima said he was, that was his last game like three times like, yeah. from Metal Gear Solid two on. But, but um, to me, Metal Gear Solid three was the last one that was like Metal Gear Solid. Like, 4 is where they started saying, okay, well, this isn't just, like, our own thing anymore. This We're going to start, like, changing the franchise to be something that's like other things. Instead of just being... I mean, look, they had basically invented stealth gameplay in video games, at least doing it well. They honed that formula uh, with all the other stuff that Kojima did, with the crazy characters and the convoluted plots and all that. I felt like Metal Gear Solid 4 was the first time where it just felt like just any other video game. Well, see, to me, Metal Gear Solid 4 was the first time it felt like a playable video game. Well, you're right. Because I... No, you're right. I, I, Metal Gear Solid 2 I got through because it was like just... It was the thing at the time. I have never finished Metal Gear Solid 3. And in fact, I've never gotten more than two hours into it. I don't know if you remember or not. One of my more controversial reviews throughout my career was the review for Metal Gear Solid 3. Yeah, I remember Solid that. Three. You, you gave it, well, you gave it a four? three. Three out of five. Three? I think it was, yeah. I thought it was a four. Four people wouldn't have freaked out about that much. Oh, they, yeah, they would. Three they freaked out about. Um, I just, I've never, I, I've never gotten to the main game. I've never finished Virtuous Mission. Oh, really? I've, I've tried four times. And <laughs> The first time, I just got bored listening to all the conversations uh, and was annoyed where they kept hammering home that it was like, uh, you can't leave anything behind. It's a super secret mission. And then he throws his parachute into the into the ditch and then he takes off his helmet that says U.S. Air Force and leaves it on the ground. Uh, I'm like, you were just talking about how he has to bust his own shit out in bags <laughs> and he just throws the U.S. Air Force. And then I, yeah. I, and I didn't understand how some things were. I, I, no point did the game explain to me that to sneak up on someone, you have to use the D-pad yeah. and not just the, the tilt the analog sticks. Uh, talk about unintuitive. Yeah, 
makes no sense. So that was like the third time I played it. I finally figured that out, and then I finally got far enough through that I got to like I met, ran into Ocelot and all that stuff, and then Ocelot started meowing, and I turned it off because that was, <laughs> that just, was it. No, the deal like, breaker. It's, it's only so much. I've I've watched like a lot of like videos of it, and I've seen all the boss fights on YouTube. I've, I've you know, I know what happens um, because it was again. It was a point about two years after that where I'm like, I'm never gonna actually do this, so I'm just gonna spoil it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna watch the whole thing. And I watched the, you know, the the video the the movie version of it that came with uh, Metal Gear Solid Four and all that. So I know what happens, but God, I hated playing that game. Every <laughs> single second of that game, I hated yeah. playing and all the menu stuff and switching camouflage stuff and all oh like I, I get why like people still love that game i get why there's people crazy. that get into it and i know it's like one of the favored games in the series but like after after that and like metal gear solid 4 came out and like it worked it and, I, and playable, i could yeah. aim yeah. and i could just move him and like the, yeah, i played that was, whole game in like first person yeah it was it, it was just <laughs> like yeah it felt like a modern game and not just yeah. like someone desperately trying to hold on to how metal gear played on the mx msx yeah so good because yeah. that was one of my other big complaints was like, you know, back even going back as far as Metal Gear Solid One, which is probably my favorite game in the series, um, and it should be. Uh, I was like, okay, I understand why it's a top-down view because you can only push so many polygons on a PS One, and that's how Metal Gear used to be. Um, but there's a point at which you just realize, like, I am playing this game by staring at the radar. Yeah, you know, because otherwise I can't just looking keep... for the cones of vision and just the constant thing where I, I mean, Metal yeah. Gear Solid Two helped where you could go into first person. Um, with all the fiddly, weird, like, hold the button hard right. or let go of the button hard or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. But, like, uh, and then it didn't work on the Xbox because the buttons didn't do that. They weren't analog. Um, but the, uh, there was a point which I'm like, there was so many, like, times I got spotted or killed or whatever in Metal Gear Solid 2 and 1 where I was like, okay, Snake could definitely see him yeah. before he ran into him. But I couldn't because the camera's up here. Yeah. That was one thing I, I did give credit to Metal Gear Solid 3 for is that the, at least uh, sustenance version was it, it let you move the camera down and sort of like see things more from his perspective. And it felt a little more, a little more like immersive and a little less gamey. And yeah. uh, I think Metal Gear Solid 4 finally nailed that tremendously. And of course, Metal Gear Solid 5 was just a modern open world game yep. uh, that, that uh, had huge, open, empty, boring spaces. But when you got to something that you could actually do, it was really good. Yeah, kind of repetitive. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, also, I've also never also tried the, it a game. The thing that uh, the thing that annoyed me the most about Metal Gear Solid Five is when I found out that you had a, you could get an ability that made the chopper rides shorter. And I'm like, are you telling me that that load time is not all load time? You're <laughs> you just being a dick purpose. to me. Yeah. Oh, you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I, I have also never cried at a video game. I got close a couple times, like after my dad and my sister passed away. Um, anything that was like between a father and a son in a game would get mm -hmm. me choked up. I wouldn't cry. Um, but now, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it'll ever happen. Honestly, maybe someday. I don't know. Like it's, it's, it, you can't tell until it happens. I guess. Yeah. Like, there's no preparing for it. Maybe one day, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, who, who, who knows? Maybe it's some indie game that you never would have thought of or whatever, you know, yep. people who cry at Undertale for God's sake. Yeah. That, that's that. I don't even understand that. That's, <laughs> I'm never going to hate on anybody for why they cry. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anything personal in life, it's crying. I guess, but it's like if you cry when you play Pac-Man, maybe you should get to see someone. <laughs> maybe so. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk next about Persona 5 Scramble, but not really. Um, so Persona 5 Scramble was announced this week. We talked about it. There was a teaser put out like three weeks ago. We talked about it on Game Face. We thought it was going to be like a spinoff of Persona 5. Well, most people, yeah, most people thought it was going to be the Switch version of Persona 5. Right. And as it turns out, there is a Switch version. 
But it's not Persona 5 at all. It is a... It's Dynasty Warriors Persona. Except it, it, is, it is an RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks like there's gonna, they're going to have heavier RPG elements than most Dynasty Warriors games. But it is hey, a Dynasty to... Warriors game with a Persona 5 yeah. skin. Anything to switch up the formula yeah. is, is probably a good thing. Yeah. So here's my question, though. Hack and Slash, you can put almost, in, as we've seen with Koei Tecmo and Omega Team, you can put any skin on a Hack and Slash and it works. We've seen it with Zelda. We've seen it with Persona now. Is there any other genre that's as inviting to IP as, um, as a hack and, hack and Slash or a Hack and Slash RPG? Probably. I mean, in the, in the sense that it's like just sort of you can turn anything that has, you know, physical conflict into that. As long as you have... Uh, but does it work for, like, Halo? Like, could you play a Halo hack and slash? Like, there are... Even I'm sure for that, you could. Even for that, there's a line, but... I'm sure you could do that. I mean, as long as you have recognizable heroes and you have, like, something in the lore that lets you give them infinite, like, cannon fodder bad guys to kill by the hundreds, you can apply the Dynasty Warriors formula to it. And, you know, Halo has that, if you so chose. I, I don't see that happening, but like you could do it. You could do it with almost anything. Um, you do it with Star Wars, just endless stormtroopers. Well, know? I mean, there already are Star Wars hack and slash, but not like Dynasty Warriors. Yeah, games. yeah, yeah I mean, true. Dynasty Warriors games are a particular permutation of the hack and slash genre to me because there's not. The irony is they never stop making them; they just constantly come out. But there's also nothing else like them. Yeah, like, no one else makes those. <laughs> There was a period where people, you know, like they 99 tried. Nights yeah. or like, uh, what was it? What was it? Kingdom Under Fire kind of had a more like, yes. more like RTS inspired yeah, yeah. element of that. Like there, there were Dynasty Warriors clones here and there. Crimson Sea. Yeah. Um, but like, there, you know, Omega Force is the last man standing. In Pretty that, much. In that subgenre. Yeah. And like, they just keep going. Yeah. Like, because they keep getting gigs from Atlas and Nintendo yeah. and all these other companies that are like, we're not going to do that, but we know you're really good at it. We'll supervise all the art and the mm. assets. You handle the rest. And, and hack and cash. Cha-ching! Profit. Yeah. <laughs> hack and cash. That's pretty much all it is. But can you think of any other genre that's more accommodating as, as the hack and slash is? Like you said, even you can even make Halo work somehow. I mean, you could probably make a kart racer out of almost anything. Really? Yeah. You take any characters, put them in, like, little carts, and you're done. Right, but for that, I mean, to make it successful, you need, like, a Persona 5 kart racer would work because you have very identifiable characters with different personalities, but that doesn't really work for Halo. Sure it would. How? You get Master Chief and a little warthog, that'd be adorable. Right, but that's one character. You need and you get, uh, 30. You get, you get so the, now you uh, have Arbiter, Master Chief in the and orange And you've got the, the Master Sergeant guy, <laughs> and you've got the guy who was hunting him in Halo 5, and you have like one of the prophets, like a You're little floaty You're making my thing. point for me. It really wouldn't work. Like, yeah, sure it would. I mean, I mean you I'm could not make it. It would be the worst kart racer ever. Yeah, well, you've made a lot of the Dynasty Wars games have been the worst games ever too. Well, like, it's yeah, like, that's I'm, just the worst game ever. Just because you can ever. just cram stuff into the formula doesn't mean you should. But I'm no, but what I'm getting at Which is, seems to be a widely held opinion about the Persona Five Scramble. Is what a lot of people were expecting this to be Persona Five on the Switch, and the fact that it's just another Dynasty Warriors game, you know, hosed down in Persona juice, 
is uh, cause some consternation. Yeah, Let's put it that understandable. Way. Oh mean, yeah, I think it's hilarious. I'd rather play I, Persona if I hadn't played Persona Five. I'd rather play Persona Five than another skin hack and slash from sure. Omega. Well, especially because you have a PS3 version that could probably be ported pretty pretty easily. Yeah. Um, and like it was, it was just sort of the speculation of what it was going to be because you had to put. Well, you had Joker you had coming put, in Smash. Yeah, you had to put and... Joker on a Nintendo system at some point because he's in Smash. Yeah. Although. That rule kind of went out the window when Cloud showed up. Right. It? Well, now Final Fantasy VII is on Switch. Now, years <laughs> later. <laughs> but it, it all worked out eventually. <laughs> You're basically taking the most like prominent current like character from the franchise and putting them in Smash, which is also what's happening with Joker. Do you have any interest in this? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I like... I, lo- I love the characters from Persona 5. I like Persona, and... Uh... I mean, I've, I liked uh, Hyrule Warriors, and I liked uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, not as much as Hyrule Warriors, but uh, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy a Dynasty Warriors game. I just don't quite always get what I want out of them, and they, they kind of, like, I feel like I should like the Empires games in that series more than I do, but I just feel like they're kind of, like, weird and obtuse and they are. slow and boring. <laughs> And, uh, like, I thought Fire Emblem was a pretty good balance of, like, having to strategically balance the battlefield with, like, not bogging me down and a bunch of menu crap. Um, So, yeah, like, so far, everything Atlas has made for, or everything uh, Omega Force has made, uh, like, kind of with the outside license thing, the Fist of the North Star one was pretty good. Yeah, it was surprisingly not terrible. Yeah, and, like, so, yeah, like... As long as you get enough, like, Persona 5, you know, visual style, and they do, and the music, and they do, like, I don't see any reason I wouldn't play that. Yeah, as long as you have the I'm parent gonna play company the, I would play it on the PS4, because yeah. I'd rather it run smoother. But right. Like, um, I think, like, I think uh, Omega Force seems to be at their best when they're making something for someone else. Yeah, why is that? Probably because the people who are making, have, they're making it for hold them to a standard. Yeah, because the last Dynasty Warriors... Not only was it not very good, it tanked. Yeah, nine did not do well and was not well. Yeah, and so maybe <laughs> when this... even Jim Sterling hates your Dynasty yeah, Warriors yeah. game, you are in trouble. <laughs> you're right. Because Jim screwed. Sterling likes all the Dynasty. He does. Warriors, yeah, so. you're you're basically screwed at that point. So uh, I just kind of get when you take Zhang Hei's claws away from him. I don't know what the hell they were thinking on that. Yeah, one. but uh, I just found it interesting. One that they're making a hack and slash based on a turn-based RPG. But two, when I started thinking about it, I'm like, well, really, you could kind of slap anything on a you hack and slash. It's going to work. You could do work. Final Fantasy. You could. You could do any, anything with melee weapons, really. Or, yeah. or even just punching and kicking. Um, what other thing? I mean, it'd probably be pretty tough to do a Kirby game that way. Although, <laughs> Kirby Kart Racer, that would work. Yeah, it would. I'm still disappointed that they never made the Uncharted Kart Racing game. Yeah, again, Unca- I don't think un- it would be successful. <laughs> I think you, you need uncarded. a particular kind of uncarded. <laughs> I think you need a particular IP to work with kart racers. They have to have characters that are very distinct and different from each other because they all have to have their own like power-ups and all this other stuff to go along with them. Like mm-hmm. They have to be unique looking so you can pick them out from at the starting grid. Like, Or when you're behind them, you need to know who they are. Look, I just want to shoot a missile at Sam Drake. That's all, that's all I'm here for. <laughs> are well, you gonna, so you're going to play this, though, when it comes yeah, out? I think, think I will. Yeah. Unless, like, previews are disastrous or something. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested. And look, sometimes beggars can't be choosers. So, sorry, Switch owners, it does suck you didn't get the real McCoy, but this is better than nothing. Yeah. I also would there not... There were days where, as a Nintendo fan, you wouldn't get this. So right. I also would not count out a PS3 port either. at some point for the yeah, Switch. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Especially if this sells well on the, on the Switch. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe that comes like a year and a half after this. Maybe the weird thing about Japanese publishers is that they, they try to test stuff. Mm-hmm. So instead of just saying, look, Persona's huge, Switch is huge, put Persona on Switch. Instead, they'll create like this little offshoot game to see if the Nintendo fans like the Persona characters. And then if it does well, then they'll announce like two months later. And because of how well Scramble did, well, here comes the real McCoy Persona. It's so weird the way they do things sometimes. But yeah, I also believe that eventually we'll see Persona 5 on Switch. It just makes too much sense, yeah. particularly after Smash, after this. Maybe not like, Royal Edition, but something. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move along. It's time for us to check in on the SFL, the Sifted Fantasy League. Now, before we bring up the information, Matt, anecdotally, how do you think the season has gone so far between you and I? Uh, Well, I actually added all these up. Oh, you did? A few days ago. (laughs) Wow. Um, Okay. And uh, I think I'm doing a little better, but only because more of my games have come out. Well... I know it wasn't that long ago that you we, we were talking, you're like, oh, it's over, you won already. Mm-hmm. That was like a month ago, maybe a little less. And uh, I was like, oh, I didn't really I think about it. I still should have picked Resident Evil and not Anthem. <laughs> and I was like, okay, maybe that's true, and but probably not. And then I went and looked and bring it up, Sam. So we are basically at the halfway point, not the halfway point for the year, but the halfway point, as far as both for both of us, basically half of our games have been scored at this point. Mm-hmm. You have five scores. I have four so far. So Resident Evil 2, it started way higher. It was like a 9.3, 9.4 at release. Now it's down to a 90, 9 flat. So it didn't turn out as great as it seemed like at first. Um, Gears 5 not out yet. Animal Crossing Switch not out yet. Mortal Kombat 11, now it's down to an 83. Um, a lot of the late reviews that have been coming in for that have been really low. I don't know if you saw the uh, user aggregate score for Mortal Kombat 11. It's abysmal. Oh, cause, yeah, because it's getting bombed because of the, the games as a service slow progression thing. I, I think I saw it was like a 2.7 user score on Metacritic for Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, the Division 2 ended up doing about what I thought. It's sitting at 82 right now, and it's kind of stayed there. I think it actually may have gone up uh, a tenth or something mm-hmm. since uh, initial reviews came out. And then Far Cry New Dawn at 71. I know when I picked it, I was like, as long as it gets a 7 or better with my 10th pick, I'll be happy. Now that it is here with a 71, I am not happy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I think that score is a little bit low. But anyway... Uh, I have four games scored. My average for those four games is 81.5, which is not great. Uh, let's go to Matt. So at, Matt, At least Days Gone was one of your alternates. Yeah, thank God. Days Gone and Yoshi's Crafted World. But now Yoshi's I, Crafted World didn't do terrible. No, it did better than Far Cry New Dawn. <laughs> it's at like a 75 or whatever. So let's go to Matt. Matt, obviously, his first overall pick, that hurts, but these picks aren't weighted, so it doesn't hurt that much. I mean, mm-hmm. there's really no difference between picking Anthem first or 10th once the draft is over. Uh, so you took Anthem first. It's at a 55. Yeah. that's that was, Last time I looked, not this week, but the previous time I looked, it was at a 62, so it's gotten even worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, to me, it's not a 55 game, but it is what it is. It's at 55. Kingdom it got Heart- a whole lot of mediocre reviews, and it just sort of ended up that way. It did. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 and 83, that game has come down a good bit since launch day. Yeah. It was much up, much closer to a 9 than it was an 8, and now it's down to 83. 
Sekiro, you're ace in the hole. Actually, the next two games. Sekiro, you got a 90 for that. You've already equaled my Resident Evil 2. My first overall pick with your third overall pick. Yeah, but imagine if I'd picked Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Now, th well, then we go to Devil May Cry 5. That's at an 88. That's higher than any other game I have besides my number one pick. Mm -hmm. um, and then Metro Exodus got you an 80. That's actually come up a little bit from when the game was first yeah, released. Yeah, that, that was in the 70s last time. It looked. was, yep. And it has come up. And then I look at the rest of your games... I don't know, man. I think you may have already won. So you have five games, and you're only you're at a seventy nine point two. You're mm. only you're like less than two points behind me. You have five games left. I have six. But looking at the remainder of your games, I mean, Pokemon Sword and Shield guaranteed ninety or above. Rage two with any luck. Yeah. I mean, guarantee. You know that, Matt. You I know, hope so. You know that Pokemon Sword and Shield is going to get a ninety or higher. You know that. Rage two guessing at least an eight. Yeah, I'm thinking 80-ish yeah. for that. Dreams, Dreams, I don't know. That's the next factor. I really factor. don't know. Absolutely, that's the next factor. Fire Emblem, I can't remember the last time I saw a Fire Emblem get less than an 8. Yeah. I can't. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, that's a little bit of a wild card in your 10th pick, which could be the highest scoring game on your entire team. So that gamble definitely paid off for you. Come, come through for me, Vince and Stig. Yep. We look at the rest of my games. They're not as convincing, I don't think, man. Gears 5, but I they're, mean... But they're, like, guaranteed solid. Yeah. Like, I can see I mean, Dreams I thought, and Jedi, like... I thought Anthem was a guaranteed solid. Like, you just don't know. I didn't think it was super guaranteed, but, like, I was... I just had faith in it because I know the people that were working on it and how much they believed what they were doing, or so they said. And, uh, meh, whoops. I certainly never thought I would get a 55. Yeah, like, that's crazy. I took it in, like, the, the fantasy challenge on Sifted. Um, and, yeah, that pretty much just doomed my whole season right from the gate. But not so much for you. Uh, let's go through the rest of mine. Um, Animal Crossing Switch. I feel pretty confident with that, that it'll get an 8 or better. Um, I would. They'd have to completely screw it up for otherwise. Like it, it's You're guaranteed that. Uh, Doom Eternal. Mm. After what happened to Far Cry New Dawn, I honestly have no idea. I don't know. I think it's a different beast. No pun intended. I, th I think as long as it has the same sort of fast, like, satisfying action, it'll be fine. Uh, I, I would guess I would guess 83-ish, 85-ish for Doom Eternal. Yeah, because it's not going to score Wolfenstein as high as Wolfenstein Youngblood, I would say, is more of an Yeah, factor. I'm in deep crap there. <laughs> I think I'm in really deep crap. I not think because that... I think it's going to be bad, but because I think it might fall victim to that um, more of the same yep. thing, which that Far Cry did. Yep. I'm really nervous about that. Ori, I'm pretty confident that'll do pretty well. I think if it comes out this year... Yeah, because it's you know what though this that is like one of the games that on of all twenty games that is the one that's still dicey. Yep. Everything else guaranteed. Which I said when you picked it, but you were pretty confident. Now we still haven't heard anything about yep. it. Yep, and it's, um, and we're almost to May. Yeah, and if that drops out, what becomes your next thing? Days Gone. Yeah, that's bad. Well, Days Gone is at a seventy-one right now. Yeah, I bet it'll drop. A it little probably bit. will drop. I think it absolutely will. Um, Total War Three Kingdoms. Who freaking knows? Yeah, I mean, I would guess that's going <laughs> to. That is a niche game, but I would guess that it will score well. It because, could. It could score anywhere from a five to an eight. I mean, I th I think it'll do well. I think it'll do well with its with its audience, and they usually pick the reviewers for those pretty carefully. I, I wouldn't be. I, I don't. It's not going to win you the match, but I certainly wouldn't think it would be a liability. 
I'll say this, it's way closer than I thought it was. Like, honestly, once the anthem got hammered like that, I was like, oh, I think our fantasy league's probably over. But nope, it's going to be, this may be our best season yet. Yeah, well, I mean, the pick, my picks were solid if it wasn't for the fact that Anthem got was a lit com- up. was a complete, I don't know, even know what to call it. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, it's looking pretty darn tight. Uh, I think it's going to come down right to the end. What games do we have that come out in Q4? Um, I'm guessing Animal Crossing. Is that? No, that's actually not that far away. Animal Crossing should be Q3. Yeah. Um... Doom Eternal, that's not that far away. Actually, most of my games, other than Ori, I, my, my, my team will be done by, like... Like October. Yeah. yeah. And your team, not so much. Yeah. Pokemon Sword and Shield is Q4. Rage 2 is coming out, like, in two weeks. A couple weeks. Dreams, who knows when that... Dreams is kind of out already. Dreams is early access, but no one's reviewed it. Yep, no one's reviewed it. We know Fire Emblem's coming in the next yeah. couple months. I mean, and Jedi we Fall know Order's the release November date 15th. for... Yeah, so you have two or three games that are going to come in late. Um, and so we won't know who the true victor is until the mm-hmm. end of the year. But I think we'll have a pretty good idea based upon how my games do before that. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting. that I think the last game to get scored on my list is going to be Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. And that could be anything. No, that's going to be what determines it all, basically. Probably. Which is crazy. We're going to be on pins and needles waiting for that game to come out. I'm going to, I'm going to corner Vince. <laughs> at Packers party and be like this needs to be like a 93 dude or I'm gonna lose this fantasy league well, I don't be, even think you need a 93 he'd be like who are you yeah and what's a fantasy league <laughs> I don't even think you'll are need you a supposed 90. to be here yeah <laughs> I don't think you'll need a 93 no honestly I mean dude you already have like three 90s imagine if Anthem had been good I know oh it'd be over, be over already. already it would be over absolutely thank god <laughs> So I think a lot of people, my, not just myself, I think a lot of people were like, it looked like I was going to cruise to an easy victory after mm-hmm. Anthem got hammered. But It just annoys so me because I absolutely did sit there for a second and think maybe I should pick Resident Evil 2 because I bet that. But I just, I had that faith in Bioware. Understandable. That I, that I don't anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, I, look, I was shocked. Do not look for Dragon Age 4 on my fantasy team anytime soon, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, look, to be honest with you, the initial review scores for Resident Evil 2 were too high. Like, it didn't deserve a 93. And so it's not that surprising to me that it's come kind of back down to earth since the, the launch week. But great game, but not like a 9+. plus. Mm. But Still probably going to pop up in the Game of the Year conversations. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll see. Not for me, but like... I mean... Uh, so it's going to be mentioned. I mean, so far, it's one of the best games of the year. Yeah. I don't think there's any denying that. But, yeah, I think some other big boys are going to come along. And by the time we get to the end of the year, it'll just be an afterthought. Yeah, they should. It'll be that Cap- game that we have to make sure we remember when we talk about yeah, game Capcom of the year. should do one of those things that, like, Oscar stuff does where, like, they, they send out, like, a little extra pack near the end of the year to remind you. Right. Hey, remember when you had fun playing this? <laughs> Mass Effect used to do that because yeah, they, they, they would come out in like January. Yeah. And so they'd send like a little Well, they case, know you're doing your deliberations. Like, hey, here's a, here's a copy of the game and a fun controller and like, don't forget Mass Effect 2. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, I didn't forget Mass Effect 2, sir. <laughs> but I think Resident Evil 2 will be one of those things where you have to like put a little footnote to, re- yeah. to remember it at the end of the year because it's, I think it's just going to get lost by the time it's all said and done. But yeah. we'll see. Maybe not. Maybe we'll, a lot of these we'll other... We'll see if the Game Awards remember it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a lot of these other games could come out and tank too. You just don't know. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about VR. I feel like today may have been the biggest day for VR 
since the whole thing started. So since the day we found out about the Vive and the Rift and PlayStation VR, I feel like today was another one of those milestone days. I don't know if it's going to change the fortunes of the VR market, but I do feel like it was one of those benchmark events today. So uh, today there were basically two VR sets from Oculus were reviewed. The embargoes broke on their reviews and um, they announced the release dates and everything for them. And then also we finally got a look at Valve's VR headset called the Index. So let's start first with Oculus though. Um, Oculus Quest and Oculus Rift S. Both embargoes broke today for reviews from the press. In general, the reviews for both have been like amazing, like sky high. Uh, Quest, they said there's obvious. Quest, if you guys don't know, is the all-inclusive HMD. You don't need a PC or a mobile phone to play it. It's just all self-contained. Everything you need is in the headset and the controllers. And, and that's what we're seeing here. This is what we're seeing here. Yeah, this is Oculus Quest. And probably the biggest criticism was they had to make some sacrifices. Right. Well, no crap. Duh. Like, just to have a standalone VR headset. But I also feel like this is the gateway to VR becoming something more than a niche. Right. Well, because it's like the Wii didn't have cutting edge graphics, folks. Right. Like you don't need to blow the doors off the performance and the visuals to get into the average home. Like it's more important to have something that like you can just jump on, per turn on, play for a little bit and be done. And uh, what getting rid of the wires and making it affordable is pretty much your halfway home on that. And was the price on this is at what, 300? 399 is oh, it? Oh, it's 400? Is it 400? I can't remember. It's it's 3 or 400, I can't remember. Cuz to me that's really the problem. It, I don't it's like you said. I don't think it's really the tech. Even though the tech makes me vomit, it <laughs> makes me deathly ill, it makes me want to lay on a couch for the rest of the day. For the people that that doesn't, it's not about the visual quality that's turning them away and keeping them from buying HMDs. It's the cost. Mm -hmm. And so even if the quest is 300, that's still, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Like, for instance, I think most people, most casual players, look at VR as something where it's like 100 bucks max. I think that's just where they're at when they're like, a peripheral for something that I already spent a lot of money on, yeah, I'll go 100 on that, but I'm not going to spend more. Uh, my one sister, she wanted to get it for my brother-in-law. I told her how much they were, and she literally laughed in my face. <laughs> and she did. And she's like, well, wait, I thought there were like these ones that were like made out of cardboard. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't want those. She's like, oh, no, I do want that. Mm. That's exactly what I want. Like, she didn't care that it was the lowest fidelity. She's just like, I want my husband to have VR. He wants VR. And I'm going to do it as cheaply as possible. And she was okay with it. And ultimately, in the end of it all, he was okay with it. When he got like that mobile VR thing, he was like blown away by it. He was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I can do this with like my phone or whatever. Like, and he was happy with it. And he, I don't know if he still uses it, but he, the day he opened it up, he liked it a lot. So I think you're right. You know, for most people, I don't think it's the fidelity, it's the novelty mm -hmm. of, oh my gosh, I'm doing VR. There's also kind of a longevity element of it where like, like we, on Saturday, we did that Star Wars uh, VR thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the void and we uh, came back here and on the way home like because you know the, the, i think uh my friends had never done vr stuff before ever were, yeah and they were oh, pretty wow. impressed by how it worked and mm -hmm. all that 
And I'm like, well, I got some some of the stuff at home, and like you know, I got Ace Combat and some PlayStation stuff. And like, I went, we came back here and went in the and I started to hook up the PlayStation VR. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm like I was gonna put the. He's like, oh, that's, I've had enough. Oh, he, he was good. He, 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 I'm good. <laughs> like, like, and like that, that the Star Wars thing is like five minutes. I mean, it's yeah. Like, it was, it was, he's like, well, that's good. I, I had enough. Maybe next time. I was like, wow. Was he sick? No, just he, that was enough for it him. It just wasn't that interesting to no. him. No. Huh. That's crazy. Five minutes is all it took. Yeah. Good thing he didn't show him the kitchen demo. <laughs> <laughs> he may not have lasted all the way to the end of it. But do you think there's a market for this? This kind of mid-range price. It's not as cheap as like the mobile HMDs, but it's not expensive as Rift or Vive. I, mean, I don't know if there's a huge market for it, but I do think it's a necessary step yeah. down the road. These yeah. steps are so expensive. Yeah. I mean, thank God there's a company with like Facebook with just money to burn. I mean, maybe it'll help that like it's a more versatile thing because like the other like I remember the you remember they did the Star Wars one uh, a couple Christmases ago and that was for a big, PlayStation VR. No, it was just like a standalone thing. Like it was like a standalone VR oh, set yeah, I do thing and like yep. the lightsaber and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And like it was two. I think it was two hundred dollars, and that's all it did. It just did that lightsaber mm-hmm. uh, game, and. Best Buy couldn't give them away. They still have them on shelves for half half off, ninety nine dollars now. Standard. They only have them at half and, off, and sometimes like they'll cut them to fifty. And like I thought to about cut it, it twenty five and just leave it there, pretty much. <laughs> um, but like they, they couldn't get rid of it. But basically. even you didn't buy it. I did not. So not for that amount of money, not yeah. for, and not for something that only does one thing. Right. You know. So so these have the advantage that they are a full fledged like we can play anything on the Oculus Store kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they are not the greatest graphical fidelity in the world compared to like hooking up to a powerful computer. But um, if there's one thing I've learned with the VR stuff, it's like you just got to hook someone. You just got to let someone try it yeah. for the first time, and either they'll be hooked or they will be like, oh, that's cool. I don't really need to do that again. Um, some people just doesn't really impress, um, but uh, it, it, you know, I think it'll get there. You'll, you'll, the price will continue to come down. The quality of the cheaper headsets will continue to improve. Um, you know, in five to ten years, uh, it'll be uh, it'll be more of an impulse buy uh, with with a quality that we you know currently would consider the top end headset. Yeah, you know, it'll just continue to get better. Um, Oculus Rift S, embargo is broke for that today as well. Both of these come out on May 21st, by the way. Both on the same day. What do you think about that? Yeah, different SKUs for different audiences. It's fine. Yeah. You don't think it muddies the waters a little bit? No. Not any more than like, you know, two different versions. It's hard to of a, think of it. It's two like two things coming a, out on the same day like that. Know, consoles have had different, different versions. You know, the bigger hard drive versus the cheaper version. Like the Xbox 360 did that. The Xbox One did that. But they are still um, fundamentally PlayStation the same. PlayStation 3 did that. And they played the same games. Like, these don't play the same games. Yeah. I don't know. It could be confusing, but at this point, it's like whatever you need to do to get someone to buy one of these things is probably good. I just wonder if there's even enough interest in it to, for it to even be a problem, to be honest with you. Like, obviously, with PlayStation or Xbox, you're going to have millions of people buying it on day one. But with this, it's like... Yeah, whoever's buying these are probably already pretty well informed. Yeah. Like, you're still in the niche realm, but the advantage is that, like, you, you're hitting the point where, like, if someone comes over and tries your nice VR setup and they like it and want one for themselves, you can point them to uh, the Quest. Yeah. And it's sort of like an entry-level thing. That's true. Um, the S is the new Oculus Rift. Mm. It is the new premium model that Oculus is putting out. 
Um, one would argue that maybe it's time to drop the price of the original Rift to rock bottom. It is still $399 for the original Oculus Rift. Hmm. Uh, do you think that's a smart strategy? I don't know if it matters at this point. Really? Do you think that's it? It just doesn't matter at all? So Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know... Uh... I don't know any sales metrics on this, the VR stuff. Like, they well, don't... we just heard a PlayStation VR sold four million. Right, I was shocked. I know that, it. but we don't know anything about Oculus. Yeah, you know. yeah, they haven't really released publicly though. I mean, if there's one thing sales. Facebook has, it's access to data. If they if they had information that indicated they should do something differently, I think they would. Also, if they had data that was worth sharing publicly, they would. That too. <laughs> it's like, obviously, they have all the information. They've chosen not to release it publicly, which means it's probably not especially flattering, is my guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but they keep trudging forward. I mean, that's what blows my mind. They just keep dumping well, money into Zuckerberg this black this hole. To, Zuckerberg wants this to be, to be in their control. It's like when Gates you know, ordered in the 90s, you know, I want Microsoft in video games. Yeah. And then, so the Xbox was created. Like, they know that this is the future of what they want to build, so they're going to do it no matter what it takes. And it's not like they have a, they don't have the money to lose. So somebody's got to do it. It feels like Oculus needs to make a really cheap HMD. I think they're working towards it. Um, they're getting it down, but if for Facebook's vision to come true, they have to be a hundred dollars. Yeah, it it has to be. Well, look, I think this this quest uh, we're looking at here will be. Like three to four years. Yeah, possible. Yeah, like. But look, look at the original Rift. It's still four hundred dollars. Yeah, but part of the thing with the Rift is like the components to make that thing don't get any cheaper. Yeah. At a because they're point. specialty parts. Yeah. yeah. And if they've if they've designed the quests intelligently to like kind of like be something they can modularly move forward with in terms of pricing, you know, over the next half decade, like you could easily get to the point where like a base VR headset like what we are seeing the Quest be right now becomes your $100 model, your entry model, in like 2023. Now, as someone who bought one of the more expensive HMDs at launch, are you seeing anything with these two that might convince you to jump in? Not really, because um, for me, I need something I want to play. Mm -hmm. um, there is no killer app here uh, that I see. Um, and like, you know, I already have a headset that connects to the... To the uh, computer i don't really have the room to do that uh in the same way i did it in my old apartment like it was just a bigger space in the middle of the room basically and uh the thing I, that would be required for me to really jump back into the uh you know the room scale headset thing would be a wireless headset that can deliver an experience on the level of something that connects to the pc um that may be a long ways away no well, i'm okay with that yeah I mean, I, I enjoy the PlayStation VR when I use it because, like, Sony's putting out, you know, actual games for it. Uh, I would be much more likely to consider whatever the PlayStation VR 2 is on PS5 because I just think that uh, Sony is more interested in making actual games for Content it. for it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. As opposed to sort of toys. Uh, and then what the other thing I've noticed is that almost anything worthwhile on the big boy VR platforms comes to PlayStation VR. Maybe it doesn't look as good. Maybe yep. it's not quite it the same. Yeah. But like, you know, it's not like you're stuck. Because that's a with... market where you can right. sell games. Because that's where it sells. <laughs> Just like Switch with indie stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, PlayStation VR 2, I believe, is going to happen. I would have to say so. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's going to happen. Um, but really, the big story today, and it's kind of kind of sly or slimy, depending on your perspective, 
that uh, Valve did this, but Valve also unveiled in full the index today mm. at like almost the same exact moment. So I feel like there may have been a little bit of insidery stuff going on there where Valve talked to some journalists and were like, oh, when's the embargo breaking for all that Oculus <laughs> stuff? I'm not kidding. Yeah. And they found out the date, and then they're like, okay, well, the date that they announced all that stuff, we're going to roll out our first impressions for everybody of our new index. And wow, did you get to see the specs for this? No. Okay. So just like the Vive was the top shelf option for for VR when it first launched, it appears that index is going to one-up that. I don't know if... Vive or HTC is going to continue to make these, and I don't know why it would after Valve has kind of stepped in to do it, but Valve's index is pretty freaking impressive. Um, it's coming this year. You'll be able to pre-order it in June. It's going to cost $500 for the base HMD, mm. just, the, just the headset. And pause that very quickly there, Sam. So what you're seeing right there is the bundle. And the mm. bundle is $1,000. And it comes with the HMD. It comes with two controllers. And we'll get to some of the details on the controller in a minute. And it comes with two of the stations. So this does still need to have stations for mm. room scale stuff, which the S does not. It has the outward facing cameras. What are they called? There's this special name for them. I don't know. That keeps them from having to use um, stations. This does. And in fact, they said for the full effect, you need four of them. The bundle only comes with two. So presumably they're thinking you have two from your previous Rift. Right. Or your previous Vive. And I think they are compatible yeah. forward, but not backwards. So right. you can't use the stations from this with an old Vive. An old Vive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you get the two VR controllers, you get the two Steam VR tracking base stations. They're 2.0. Uh, the base stations were 1.0, I guess, for Vive. Is that true? Um, I mean, theoretically, because they were the yeah. first ones. Lighthouses, they call them. Yep. Uh, they all require cables and mounts, mm -hmm. which is a little strange. Although I think the base stations, you just have to plug into an outlet. Yeah. You don't need to run cables from like your PC. No, they're, they're Bluetooth. They're, yeah. they're wireless. Which is pretty sweet. Uh, the displays. So the displays, they're not OLED. They're LCD, believe it or not. But they run up to 144 hertz. They said 120 hertz is rock solid. 144 is going to be there for people who really want to push it. Um, of course, the frame rates will probably be unstable, and some games will be able to do it and some won't. Uh, your rig will have a lot to do with that as well, but they're going to allow up to 144 hertz. Um, but again, with... LCD screens, not OLEDs. But they're using some other kind of technology to get rid of the screen door effect. I can't remember what it was. Oh, something about the pixels in these screens have three colors or something like that that helps eliminate the screen door effect. I don't understand the technology behind VR, obviously. <laughs> I think at this point, that's become abundantly clear. But there's something to do with the way the screens are built where it's not just your typical LCD screens. So I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, oh my gosh, that's like HD panel technology from like 12 years ago. But what, what Valve is doing with it, it sounds like it's actually gonna end up being like bleeding edge. Um, 
finger tracking, full-on finger tracking with the new controllers. Uh, the new controllers also have a, the ability to measure how hard you squeeze mm -hmm. so that you can pick up objects and the harder you squeeze, either you'll hold them or you'll, they'll slip through your fingers, which I think is pretty freaking awesome. But it has full five-finger finger tracking. The controllers mount onto your wrist and hand. Um, so they have a strap at the top and a strap at the bottom, and literally they're mounted on your hand. Mm -hmm. So you can do whatever you want. The controllers are not flying off. It's not like a, a Wii remote wrist strap that's just holding it on. Like they're literally just strapped onto your arms, which I thought was different and pretty cool. Um, spec, the, the minimum requirements, or at least the minimum GPU that you need is a GTX 1070 or better. Not messing around. They so, said you could talking use... Talking about the high-end headset, here you are. Yeah, they said you could get away maybe with using a 1060, but mm -hmm. it's probably going to run like crap. It might make you sick, which is a big no-go for me. Um, and I, then, I think the $1,000 is a big no-go, too. Yeah, absolutely. For, for something that you're going to use like four times. Right. Well, I mean, that's the other part, too. It's like, I don't have any of this stuff. I'd have to buy it all for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the final thing that I thought was actually pretty cool is off ear speakers so the speakers on the hmd they're not like a headset or an earbud that goes into your ear the speakers actually are like off of your ear mm. and in midair which to me means that they should be able to do surround sound a lot better mm -hmm. uh, because you're actually dealing with space instead of trying to simulate space it's also one less thing boxing you in and making your head hot that's true because that's, that's an issue when you play for a long time that's true is you get overheated that's a good point but ultimately, and you're seeing some of the tech demo stuff here now with like the finger tracking and things like that. I also really like the look of that HMD. Yeah. I love the shield on the front. Like it looks like what I thought VR was going to look like. Hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like Oculus did a pretty good job. I mean, it created the first one, right? Mm. But this is what I always envisioned in my head of what a VR headset would look like. Um, so I love the styling of it. I love the functionality of it. They've also gone above and beyond trying to make sure that it fits comfortably for everyone. I know it's been a big problem for a lot of people with yeah, PlayStation VR and Vive. On. Yeah. Um, and they have gone above and beyond to make sure that it fits as comfortably as possible. So look, it's Valve. Valve typically doesn't make junk. Mm -hmm. um, despite the poor sales of the Steam Link, I yeah. still feel like that's a good piece of kit. I did, I did see that they said, Valve said, like, a major, like, killer app was coming. Yep. Yep. So, um, and this year. Yeah. Three guesses what that is. It's going to be Half-Life something. Something Half-Life related, yeah. yeah. I'd be pretty disappointed if they just made Half-Life 1 into VR. Yeah. That's the low-hanging fruit that I fear is probably going to be the reality. I think it would have to be new content of some kind. I, I hope so. Valve's VR team knows better than that, I think, because, you know, they knew to, they had to make the lab. They have to make stuff custom tailored to be for VR. Like you yeah. can't just take a non-VR game and slap it in VR and think that's going to be your your flagship app. Like that's not going to work. So I would say you know, it probably won't be Half-Life 3, but it might be like a Half-Life side story, Half-Life 1.5 or something. I mean the truth is is if it's Half-Life anything. Yeah, new Half-Life content is going to get attention. Oh yeah. One way or the Absolutely, other. and that's exactly what VR needs is attention. Because it, it had that big push at the beginning. People decided whether it was too expensive or not too expensive. And then that's where it was left, basically. And if they're smart, make it only on VR. Yeah. Like, if you want to play the next chapter of Half-Life, you, know you got to do it. I and, mean, there would be ways to play it anyway. You just, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's right. ways to mod it or whatever. And 
make make it like not 3D. You just play it that way. But like still, it'd be like a thing where you're not getting the full experience. People would complain too because VR games when you play them in 2D. Yeah, but if there's one thing are we usually know, usually terrible. If there's one thing we know about Valve is they don't care if we complain. No, you're right. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, but I mean, of all the the three that were announced today, I mean, to me, obviously, Index is mm-hmm. the best. Oh yeah. Um, but you're gonna pay for it. You're gonna pay a thousand dollars for it. Um, for somebody like for- you, it's not as expensive a proposition because you already have how many stations do you have already? The two that came with the original Vive. So you're good. Like, you can just buy the HMD if you're willing to deal with the old controllers. I mean, I think the new controllers are cool enough that I would probably... Especially if if you're talking about, you know, whatever... uh, It depends what you need for to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, theoretically, I could use... Because one of the reasons I don't have it set up is because there's places I could put it, but I don't want to drill holes in the walls to put up lighthouses for something I use hardly ever. Yeah. And, like, there's no... I don't have any, a computer out in, in the middle of there. You know, but it's... You know, I could use, like, kind of the... Uh, those, like, no-damage wall hangers to put, you know, the things up. Sure. And yeah. Have a, have a PC that's dedicated to... But it's, like, also, it's, like, you gotta... I have I need a new PC, basically. Really? Ta- yeah. I, I, the, the dual Titans don't match up to a 1070. Really? Like no. I thought that they would. No, you don't get that much of a power. But that's why wow. SLI is pretty much dead is because you really don't get that much out of it. Huh. It's It helps. Like, it gets me from 51 frames a second on Witcher 3 at 4K to 60, but, like, it's not necessarily... It's not like... I think a lot of people assume it doubles the power. No, it not remotely. Yeah. Like, you're getting maybe, like, a 15% boost. Yeah. Um, so it'd be, it would be basically, like, getting a new computer dedicated, you know in the smallest form factor to sit out in the main room and sort of have to move the couch out of the way. And it would be a process. The thing about VR is it's like, you know, even if I want, if I think, oh, maybe I'll play some VR, do I want to move furniture? Do I want to yeah. hook 14 things up? Because, you know, even... Do you want with, to calibrate yeah. it and make sure it's all working Even the with way. the PlayStation 4, I have the original PSVR, which means I have to un- unhook it if I want to play anything non-VR and HDR. Yeah. So there's, there's a convenience factor that is just not there. Yeah. yeah um, VR and convenience are not two things that no. generally, they're not like chocolate and peanut butter or anything. So th- something like, like that would require, like, you would have to have something on that on the index that I could not live without playing. Would a Half-Life and be that? Not necessarily, no. Yeah? I mean, look, I like Half-Life. I really enjoyed Half-Life 2 very much. But uh, it's been like 15 years, and uh, I've lived my life without Half-Life long <laughs> enough that I feel like whatever they want to throw at me, I don't know if it's really worth the issue. You know? Pie in the sky question. What if it's Half-Life 3? Mm. Yeah? Really? Because really. it's a cheaper would, proposition would, for you. I would definitely wait for reviews. Yeah. Um, not just because of the price, but because like it requires a lot of rearrangement of things. And uh, even if I can't afford something, if I spend a lot of money on something and don't like use it, like I feel stupid afterwards. We all do. Yeah. So like it would it would not be a light. It, it would not be a decision I came to lightly. Like I would I need to know way more about it. Maybe you, even try it separately. Whatever. Do you the, think for other people that Half Life Three would be something to get that? Because I, I feel like you need something that extreme. Oh yeah. To make it happen. I mean, it would be a giant temptation. I just don't. You know, no matter how much you want to play Half Life Three, it doesn't mean you can come up with a thousand dollars of disposable income, though. Yeah. So I don't know how much that'll help them versus like how angry it'll make people that don't get to play Half Life Three because they can't throw a grand at 
something they may never use again. Yeah, because I just don't see some little goofy Half-Life mini-game or whatever, something like that, moving the needle at all. Like, yeah. it, it has to be a full-fledged game in the Half-Life universe. Yeah, you're or, talking about, like... I mean, someone's got to make the leap and be like, if you want to play the next installment of the of you know of Half Life or of Halo or of Mario or like you know you have to buy our VR headset, you know whoever, whatever hardware manufacturer you're talking about, um, and it's hard to see anyone except Valve having the balls to do that. Because, really, because look, really if Valve cared what we thought about them, they'd have put Half Life Three out years ago. Yeah, so it's true. Here we are. Yep. You know, be interesting to see what they do, but uh, no matter what, thousand bucks. Thousand bucks is a, really a lot of damn money, sell, man. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, especially when you're it's about. It's like to, you can get a brand new iPhone for well, that. Well, especially or, because you know we're gonna we're running into new consoles new next year. Yep. You know, like new consoles. People are gonna start. You gotta start saving for the PlayStation Five already. Frankly, you really do. Yeah, for a lot of people. I mean, if you're working a, a part-time job, a minimum wage, yeah, you gotta you, start saving now. If you're putting a little bit away each week or yep. each couple of weeks, like each paycheck, like but that's yeah. not gonna be cheap. No, <laughs> that's for damn sure. We're looking at five hundred bones. That's my guess. Yeah, look, if you're talking about even if you're talking about the you know just the headset here, you're talking about five hundred dollars for a new upgraded headset or five hundred dollars for a PlayStation Five. That's not a competition. That's not even. That's, that's a, not that's a tough PlayStation Five now. every time, all day. Yeah. So. It just feels it's, like it's, VR is just going to stay in the realm of the wealthy with disposable income. Well, that kind, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like, I think the Oculus Quest is sort of the future of real mass adaptation. Yeah. Or mass adoption, rather. Um, but it's, not, it's probably not this. But like I said, I think it's just another step down the road. I think this isn't this isn't the breakout model. Yeah. But like something like this will be. I feel like they need to get a headset below two hundred bucks. Yeah. And I feel like at this point. Oculus has to have warehouses full of the original Rift. Yeah, but I don't think the original Rift is the, is the ticket there. It's not going to sell VR because it's ba- it's barely v- VR. Yeah, but also because like, but it, it could be like just, a gateway. It's not, no, it's not just the quest that the quest is cheap. It's that the quest is wireless. Yeah, that's the key. It has to be cheap and wireless. Until then, you're not going to get normal people to buy these things. That's it. Like. The, you have to. It has to be something you can just pick up, put on, and play. That's it. And the crazy thing about the Quest is it still has room scale. Yeah. It still tracks you and knows where you are inside like a room. Like I, th- I think Oculus. That's a big deal. I think Oculus is ahead of the game in terms of like the thing that makes VR a a, a thing, because they're moving towards the you know they're packing Consumer the power into a, into a self-contained wireless, moderately affordable device, and. Valve uh, is going full boutique. You know, they're going full uh, power. You may only sell six hundred thousand of these things, oh, but hundred thousand if they're lucky. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, like, it sounds like Vive has sold like one and a half million, two million, something like that. Yeah, like which is more than I thought. Yeah, especially at that price. Yeah, I was surprised when You're I only, saw that's the... only two hundred, two hundred, three hundred less. Uh, so we'll see. But I think in terms of like you know. The, the the VR solution that's going to finally be the thing that makes VR a thing with you know the masses, I think Oculus is more on the right track than Valve is. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, Valve's thing is more interesting to me as a game person. But I think that's what that Oculus is, not, is trying to do. Right, but that is not the same thing by any means. Valve, I don't think Valve has any interest in being the entry level VR platform. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they both have different goals. Yeah. I think Oculus is like, how can we make VR successful? And Valve is, how can we make the most kick-ass VR in the world? Mm-hmm. And those are two different perspectives, two different markets. 
Um, two different price points, obviously. Yeah, but I think history shows that the uh, market domination tends to be on Win the side the of what Oculus is doing. Yep, absolutely. Yep, I agree. So there you go. VR, the second wave. I mean, there Ver. it is. It took a while. Ver 2. Yeah, but that is wave 2 of, of VR, basically. Yeah. Are you looking back on when this stuff was first announced years ago? Is this where you thought it would be at wave 2? More or less. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. No, no huge wide ad adoption, but like sort of people know it's there, but they're sort of waiting for something that's a little less intrusive and a little less cumbersome and a little less spendy a little less spendy and uh i think oculus is on the right track in that regard yeah you think they're gonna stick it out oculus? i mean facebook has yes more money than you can ever count i think but... facebook wants this hell or high water yeah uh valve might back off of it after another you know maybe another i have a feeling it might yeah um yeah we'll see what they can hold what software they can hold hostage for this right um but i think facebook is going to do this until you freaking buy it yeah. like they they want to be they want Facebook to be a VR platform, and they're going to get it whether you like it or not, eventually. Because yeah. eventually this stuff's going to be cheap enough to be an impulse buy. It will be, yeah. And they're just going to stick with it until then. Okay. I think that's what they're doing. All right. Let's move on to our last topic of episode 166. It's the biggest game of the week. It is Days Gone. Uh, game came out last Friday, mm -hmm. so it's been out now for a weekend plus a day. Um, how much have you played, Matt? Uh, I don't know, probably like 10-ish hours Yeah, there. I'm probably closer to 20. Most uh, of my story progress things are like around the 50% mark. Yeah. Um, not like the big collectible things, but like the, the main stuff is like around 50%. 50, 50%. Yep. As well, as well as you can track that, because the, the system of keeping track of all the, all the missions is very weird. It is weird, yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm at about 20 hours. I had started playing it, actually, before we even recorded last week's show, but I couldn't really say much about it, but now I can say everything about it. Um, and people were wondering what I was hinting at last week. What I was hinting at was the size of the game. Uh, maybe I was alone in this, but I was under the impression that it was probably a 15 to 20 hour action adventure. Uh, it is not. It is a gigantic game as far as length. But I think my biggest issue with this game like, is... Did you not think it was open world? or I did. Um, I just didn't think it would be that big for whatever reason. Like, it just didn't seem like... It doesn't feel that big to me. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm coming off of playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Origins, but like... Well, what I was getting at... I was kind of thinking there was going to be another map and it never happened. Well, what I'm getting at is that the content can't buoy its runtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it, cause it's long in the sense that it's repetitive. Right. And it's, you do the same things over and over and over. Not to ad nauseum. It's you get to ad nauseum and then you go a little farther with mm -hmm. this game. Um, it is not a 15 to 20 hour experience. It is, it's a big, big game. And it's surprisingly hard to beeline through. Yeah. Because there, I don't it, think there is any beeline. It parcels out. I don't think it lets you. It parcels out even the main story stuff, like, really at its leisure. Last night, I, I spent, like, an hour with nothing to do. Like, I had no quests in you my You gotta log. wait sometimes Until for... finally somebody radioed me and was like, oh, hey, let's go you do this You got a job thing. for you over here. All right, digging out. <laughs> digging out. <laughs> so, let's start with just surmising the plot for people. Uh, first of all... Having spoken about spoilers earlier in the episode, there are really no spoilers in this B-roll. This is all from the first hour of the game. 
Um, and like I said, the game also, is I wouldn't gigantic. Even, I wouldn't even know what to tell you if you asked for a spoiler. Like, yeah. If you like, if you see it, you kind of already know what it is. Yeah, I mean, there is a plot. So the plot is the plot, but it already happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it's the all funny it's part. all sort of flashbacks to the the day the the world ended, and sort of vaguely Deacon's trying to figure out what happened after that because he, you see there like his his wife uh, is injured and he makes a deal to put her on a an evac chopper. And then he stays because his friend Boozer is uh, injured and he knows he won't make it without him. So he stays and sends his wife off with the... Uh, on the chopper. On the chopper. And then uh, they find the, uh, the, the... They go to the, the camp that they were supposed to be going, the medical camp they're supposed to be going to. And it's been overrun and everyone's dead. So he assumes everyone's dead. And... Um, yeah, well, at the beginning, like after the initial events at the beginning, they just assume that she's dead. Yeah, well, because the the place that the for the first like six hours of the game, you just assume she's dead. Yeah, the place that that um, the the guy on the chopper said they were going when they got there, it, it was overrun. And there's destroyed choppers, and everybody's dead. So Deacon's just assuming that she died there, and um, he's got a little like gravestone set up for her there that he goes and like talks to and stuff. He's a little going a little nuts. He like, is it's, going it's, nuts. It's two years. He's been they've been out here for two years uh, in the shit, as they say. And you can tell as the game goes on, like, uh, and is it Sam Witwer is the guy doing this? And like, he's a very good actor. Uh, there's not a whole lot. To I don't think he's good in this game, though. I, I think he's good for what the material they gave him was. I like, don't just, at all. He's just sitting there being a crazy person. I, I most think of the, the voice. Time. I think his voiceover is terrible, and I, I don't. He mumbles a lot. I don't necessarily think it's his fault. No, I think he was directed to do it that way. I think he was either directed to do it or they recorded the voiceover for this game in in patches. And some of those patches were really spread out because mm -hmm. there are some of his lines that literally sound like a different character. Where mm -hmm. I'm not, I didn't, I'm like, wait a minute, where's this coming from? In, in conjunction with the, the myriad audio issues. Well, I've also seen um, scenes where like different, even consecutive lines sounded like they were recorded on different equipment. Yeah. He, I mean, he sounds like a different character sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it isn't just the recording, sometimes it's like his inflection. Or just how he projects his voice, like oh yeah, there's things where like like a lot of times when he's talking to himself, he'll be like, it's like oh, I got that, get that, it'll be good, I gotta get that, good, good, need some gas. But yeah. then sometimes like if you hear like the like there's a radio, the radio free Oregon is like one of the camps, like the guy broadcast like broadcast sometimes, and like he's kind of like a standard sort of conspiracy theory guy who yeah. thinks the feds did all this on purpose, and and every time he finishes like whatever broadcast, uh, Deacon will then talk to himself and respond to him like you know like we do like you do when you talk back to the radio when yeah, yeah. but like whenever he every time he does that uh the voice actor is screaming he's scream like I, 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 almost like they assumed you would be on the bike every time but sometimes it happens because he's got the radio on his belt sometimes it just happens sometimes it happens when i'm sneaking around through like a camp i'm trying to like get rid of and like He's hiding in a bush and just yelling at this DJ as people walk by and don't see him, and it's very funny. I don't think any I don't think of it's the, intentional. Though. Yeah, I don't think any of the voice acting in this game is good. Like I don't like any of the characters. Like Boozer, he's terrible. Mm -hmm. Like I've never heard voice acting in a game that was less enthusiastic than Boozer, and I get it. Everybody so, does seem very tired. Yeah. So what we forgot to mention, or we should have mentioned, was so he stays with Boozer to help Boozer heal up, and then what happens is. A part gets stolen off of his motorcycle, and you go to this place to try to get the part, and Boozer gets in all kinds of crap. Yeah, well, that's that's late. So, like, 
Boozer apparently just gets hurt a lot, I guess. Because he's hurt in the in the big collapse. Right. He already then, has a big gash on his leg. Yeah. And then you jump ahead two years uh, where they've been surviving as drifters. Yeah. And uh, then you, you, uh, you leave your bike somewhere because you get shot up. Because the guy you're chasing shoots, ba- shoots at you and hits your bike. And um, you leave the bike and go do the thing. And then you come back and the bike's been stolen. Yep. Because uh, you have to go get a fuel pump because it got shot. And then when you come back with a fuel pump, the bike's gone. And it turns out one of the local camps has basically... They took it and stripped it and sold it for parts. So that's how you end up with a shitty bike that you then have to upgrade through the course of the game. Like, that's their excuse for... Because you have a pretty awesome bike when you start the game. Yeah. And then they give you a terrible bike that you slowly have to build up into something almost as good as the thing you started the game with. But the big part um, of the plot so after yes, that, So, yes, it is though, an open-world action RPG. Who is knew? that Boozer tries to help you, and he almost dies. Yeah. And then a big part of the plot for the first... 10 hours or so is Boozer's back at the base. He could be dying. You don't know because he won't be honest with you. Everybody else in the wilderness thinks that he's dead or he is dying because they used to see him every day and now he's not around. And every merchant you go to is like, what's up with Boozer, man? Like, I ain't seen him around. And then you, and for whatever reason, you act really weird about it. Instead of just saying, well, he burned his arm. Like, well, that situation. The plot in this game is not good. In that situation, you don't want to give away that. You don't you know, want to show weakness. Yeah, you don't want to show that like you're 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 vulnerable and you know because a lot of those people presumably know where you and Boozer hang out. Right. So, and your your compound is protected by little chain link fences that frankly zombies should be able to knock over by leaning into them. Yeah. But I, we won't. We won't. Go yeah, we won't that. go there. There's plenty um, of other things to complain there, about. There you see him getting yeah burned. So these people, the these people, they're not freakers. They're this weird kind of like religious cult that yeah. sprung up around like the apocalypse and they constantly they, they constantly they're sort of like the war boys from fury road they, yeah. t- they take a lot of drugs and they take more shots from guns as a result uh and they're sort of like these crazy lunatics that like they're sort of the halfway point between like zombie zombies and people yep uh and you, you learn more about them if you do, do a bunch of side stuff and find like the little recorders you know, the usual open world collectible thing. Um, but mostly they're just another version of enemy to kill. Probably the most they're annoying. A little, they're smarter, at yeah. least. They're yeah. smarter than zombies. They're tougher than the normal humans. Uh, they do tend to be a little crazier in the sense that they will just throw explosives at you with no regard. I mean, they're them. one of the only enemies that throws explosives at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're just... The, the, most enemies just don't. Um, I think one thing I would say is that just the gunplay in this, like, it's not good. Not great, no. But it's also not that big a part of the game. Like, you have three skill trees that you can boost in the game, and I dumped almost all my points in melee. Yeah, I use melee way more. Because the way I, I, I got the crafting recipe for a spiked b- baseball bat with nails in it, uh-huh. and that does a pretty good job. And you can repair your melee weapon, your crafted melee weapon, with uh, scrap, and scrap is freaking everywhere. Yeah. So uh, I just everything is to use everywhere that. except for gasoline. Gasoline's fairly plentiful, like, and it does reliably sh- respawn everywhere you everywhere you find gasoline. It will be there again if you go back. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, uh, someone should probably tell Sony Ben that even the worst motorcycle in the world can go more than two kilometers on a tank of gas. Yeah. You run out of gas in this game. Like I don't All know, like, I, I don't can't even time. think of a comparison. Like you're, I mean, just riding down like down the hill from your encampment, you're down to ninety percent ta- fuel Dude, tank capacity. Here's what you want to know. What really drives me crazy is so as soon as you start playing this game, you realize, oh my gosh, this this bike sucks gas. Like you literally get like a mile 
per gallon, maybe? About that, yeah. About that? I'm not even exaggerating. That's what you get. I mean, you, so, can, you can't... Fa fast traveling requires gas because you, you burn up gas in oh, time. Yeah. You can't fast... Tra I, I'm, I have the maximum upgraded gas tank right now for where I am in the game. I can't fast travel two kilometers because yeah. the, the, I don't gas. have enough gas. Because they charge you the gas when you fast travel. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird, but it, it, it is what it is. Unless sometimes you hit a mission that requires you to be on the bike and chase someone or be chased by someone, and the gas tank goes away. Yeah. Like, you have infinite gas for that part. So they knew that it didn't really work right. And look, if you're going to create a very rigid system like that, that's fine. But you need to design other parts of the game around it. So you have to conserve gas. And you figure that out very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so what you start doing is drifting down hills. Instead of hitting gas while you're going downhill, you just let off the gas and you just drift. You coast. It. Yeah. Except you can't. The bike will stop going downhill. Does yours do this? It depends. It, it coasts downhill pretty well, but it, it will it will bottom out on places that I feel is still a downward grade. Oh, my, my bike will not roll downhill. Hmm. If it's like nine or like 80 degrees, it will. But otherwise, if it's anything other than that, it'll roll for a while, but eventually it runs out of inertia and it will stop on the side <laughs> of a hill. I don't see that too often. I have had a lot of technical problems with this game, though. Like, and it's funny that like the people, I only know a couple other people playing this game and everyone's technical problems are completely different. Uh, first off, it crashed when it first loaded the game. Like it couldn't, lo it crashed That's loading weird. the title screen when I first booted it up. Um, it has this weird thing where uh, uh, in cutscenes, audio will get unsynced from the video. I to think the point, that's the one issue that everybody's to had. the point that one yeah. of the there's a cutscene there's a cutscene where general. you meet this one character, uh, and I'm not kidding. The, the the lines in the audio were finishing before the characters were opening their mouths to say them. It was off by eight nine seconds minimum. I've never seen anything like that in a high budget video game. Um, a lot of the audio is a mess, which is ironic because the audio. I think the audio design is really good. It's good when it the works. The surround's really good. They, there's a huge amount of attention paid to the environment. Like the, the sound reverb of every sound effect inside the tunnels is amazingly well done. Yeah. I love that there's crickets. And if you figure out which direction the crickets are coming and you walk towards them, they will stop when you get near them. Just yeah. like real crickets. Like they put a, the, the, the people who did the audio design in this game did a really good job it's the programming but like it, <laughs> it's a problem. something in there is is messing like, in terms of sync in terms of like sometimes stuff just drops out um and stuff like that uh i've had and then the the the, the crown jewel uh so i was playing it again when my friends came over for the vr they came over and i did sh i showed them the game for a little bit and then we went out so i so for dinner and for the vr thing so i so i put the playstation to sleep and we did. We came back, um, and uh, after they left, I turned it back on to play more Days Gone, and Days Gone was gone. The game was deleted. the game was not on my hard drive anymore. I had to re-download re it. Dude, I, that's crazy. I don't understand what happened. I did not delete that game. I left it on because because it takes so long to load up. I just set it to ret to you know PlayStation to sleep mode so I could boot it right back up and be in it. But the game was, it was gone. Gone. The saves were still there. I didn't lose progress. <laughs> But it was like it was it just uninstalled itself. Oh my gosh, I've only had audio issues. That's it. I told, but they are really bad. I told my girlfriend that happened, and she said, "I love it when the trash takes itself out." I was like, <laughs> "Damn!" Like, That's a good one. She's only watched a little bit of this game, but like, 
she has negative interest in yeah. any of she's like what the hell are you playing are i've you? only uh, i've only had audio issues to be honest with you i mean other than the bike i think the oh. bike's just designed that way oh, the, oh I, you know i don't think the bike problem is, is a that's a design flaw not a tech flaw but yeah. on the other thing that sometimes on the on the high springs the hot springs camp uh, there's this woman who opens the gate when you get close like she opens the gate so you can drive in uh-huh. about one out of 10 times she's just in t pose Oh, and like is. scoots to the to the left and and the gate opens behind her. I haven't had any problems like that at all. It's, it's just all been audio for me. It feels like everything's kind of held together with scotch tape. But you're right. Uh, yeah, you're right. But it does seem like everybody has different issues. I've mm-hmm. like I I watched a, a video review and they had tons of problems I haven't had. So it just seems like it's just different yeah. across the, the board. And the, the the bike gas thing and all that, it feels like this game was probably a more hardcore survival game yeah. at some point. at one point. And yep. they just toned it way down but kept some elements, and some of those elements just aren't. My like, guess it is feels focus weird. testers were like, there's no way in hell I would play this probably. game. <laughs> I, th- I think this game may have fallen victim to like Sony wanting it to be a 10 million potential seller yeah. and trying to you know streamline it to be something that the mass audience would enjoy. And I feel like that was not the intention of Bend originally. Um, it feels like this was probably a, a much harder core survival game uh, before it got softened. Um, especially because like, it's weird that you have to babysit the bike's damage and the bike's gas so much, but you don't have to do that with your character. Like, he doesn't nope. have to eat, he doesn't have to sleep, he doesn't nope. have to drink. Like, there's nothing like that. You just have to maintain his health. Um, it feels weird. It, it's feel, the whole thing is, seems so weirdly streamlined in terms of the survival stuff that when you do make me do stuff like having to constantly refuel the bike, it just feels tedious. And the other thing that I think is weird is I don't think you can carry enough. And I, I agree a thousand percent. And I don't mean... I've been full for like yeah, 12 con- hours. That's exactly what I mean. Like I don't think... Not that I'm, I don't have enough stuff or equipment to work with. I, I have plenty. The problem is that I fill up my inventory so fast, there's no reason to explore anything. Yep. Because no matter what I, I find, anything. I'm not going to have any. I can't carry anything I can't else. carry it. I don't need to because I already have everything. Yeah, and, and there cool. is an upgrade for your inventory, but it's way down the survival skill tree. You're not going to get that for 20-some hours. Yep. Um, and it's it, it's weird. And, like, you get these little, like, blue question marks that pop up that are supposed to be, like, random events. Usually I go to them and there's nothing there. There's nothing there. there. There's nothing there. Or maybe there. there's like a dead guy who has a rag and I'm full of rags <laughs> and I'm great. And now I burn like 5% of my gas just going off road to find this question mark. Sometimes it's a, it's an interesting event where like you get captured by people or you find like hostages or something. But like you like about half the time I can't find what it's trying to direct me to. I, or if, if I do find it, it's not significant enough for me to notice that it's a thing. Um, the mission objectives weird. are really repetitive. I mean, there's yeah. only like three or four different mission types in the game, and they just repeat over and over. Yeah, it's just the same thing over and over. It's, so you have to take these control points. You have to find gas to fill up the generator and then flip yeah. the power switch, and then you go in, and then you get attacked by freakers, and then you survive the onslaught, and then you have to shoot the speakers that are outside every one of them, and then you're done, and then you can fast travel to that place, provided... You've taken out the freaker nest. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing. The fast travel in this, not only are you charged gasoline for your bike for fast traveling, you cannot fast travel unless you have cleared out every freaker nest between the two points you're trying to fast travel between. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to even figure out exactly how that worked because the roads are like spaghetti. And it's like, so if I'm going from here to here. I could go this way and all the nests are cleared out. Or I could go this way where they're not, which is the game going to... Like, mm-hmm. it's just... I didn't mind that too. I kind of like that, like having to work for that. Um, also, I have never fast traveled 
in the game because I just started yesterday. In actually. my experience, you you use less gas driving there yourself you than what they charge you for the fast travel, which I guess is a trade off. But like, so I generally just drive because actually the map's not really that huge. It's not. You're just doing this so much stuff over and over again that it feels like a, it's a long game. Well, the other problem too is that the entire game looks the same. Right. So look, I appreciate that this studio is from Bend, Oregon, and they love their home state just as most people do their home states. But setting this in the wilderness of Oregon was not a good idea. It, the whole game looks the same. There are no iconic buildings or neighborhoods There's or There's the lumberjack cities. with the stack of, of pancakes. Right, that's it. I, I, that is the only I'm landmark. Kind of, I'm kind of out of ideas after that. But seriously, that's the only landmark. Um, and I get it. You know, they live there. They love Oregon. And probably if I lived there, I would love it too. But you can't make games for yourself. You got to make games that are good for everybody. And I just think that that was a huge mistake. Yeah, like, it, it, what you're up, seeing right now is what you see the entire game. Also, it's I have, I have no idea where you are. It's all trees, mud. And, you well, could you be can't. Anywhere. You could be anywhere. You could be anywhere on the map right now. You could. Um, it's, it's a shame because one thing I will say is this game is not as bad as some reviews have made it no, out. No, I definitely to. don't hate it. it. just It's just sort of a game. It is. It's just there. It's yeah. a good time waster. It's not great. It's not terrible. Yeah, I mean, I've, I have been pretty uninterested in this game forever. And playing it did nothing to change that. Like, it's just sort of there. It's... It's, it does nothing. It's new not or offensive. Unique. I don't think it's bad. It's just it feels sort of. It I some I can't remember which review it was, but some review said that it, it that like it feels like a dry run for a much better sequel. Um, if like, they get a chance to make a sequel, if they yeah, that's a big if. Um, but like, I I do believe like a sequel to because it feels like this game must have had a long time spent figuring out what it was supposed to be. Yeah, all you can and, tell. And it definitely when has that happens, crisis. you don't have a lot of time to polish it and turn it into something, you know, different and special beyond what, what you know, just sort of the base concept. I feel like if they were allowed to do a second one of these, they would probably come up with something really cool. I don't know if they'll get that chance. That's that's a, that's the real question. I mean, it's I mean, fitting... it, sold, it sold pretty well in the UK. I think it's going to sell. I think it's going to sell fine. Um, I, but it has a 71 Metacritic. Mm -hmm. and, and by fine, I mean it'll sell... Five million, probably. Yeah. Instead of the twelve or thirteen they're used to getting it's in the gonna, first three months. It's gonna sell Detroit months. become human. Uh, yeah, that's levels. maybe a little higher because this is a little more approachable. I think. Uh, this, it's a zombie game, and zombies are. Is this all your footage? Um, I don't know actually. Because that is not the button to open a. a, a yeah, I don't think I don't think this is the B-roll I recorded. Okay. I think this is something that Sony put out. Um, yet yeah, Square on. Yeah, in the final Shark. version. Yeah. So, yeah, this is early footage from that Sony put out. But it's a big game. I still game. get confused about which button roll is on, by the way. It's the R1, yeah. right? Yeah. But I keep, I keep hitting circle. or Because it's the because, way every other game yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a, it, it's a repetitive game that doesn't really have many peaks and valleys. Even the story doesn't really have any peaks and valleys. Yeah, it's, a re it's really flat, oddly enough, for a game that takes place in the mountains. It's uh, it just has like one, the one tone and it never really changes much. You do this every like fifteen times and oh, there might be a guy who attacks you. Oh, look, he's alive! <laughs> every single time, every yeah. time you go through a bunch of hanging bodies, that happens, and he's surprised every time. <laughs> Even though he's been doing this way longer than we have. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the story, it, it, I, we kind of touched on it, but really the the bulk of the story that's actually interesting are like flashbacks. 
Mm-hmm. He goes back. Which, by to... the way, you clearly were supposed to play. Yeah. But they, you don't. Yeah. Like, there's a couple places where you actually do play, like, quickly. Well, you walk. Right. But, but like, there's parts <laughs> you where, count like, that as where you can see that, like, you were supposed to probably drive from this point to this point, and the, but instead they made it a cutscene. Yeah. There's also a weird thing. Like, every transition in this game dips to black. Yeah. And it's weird how, even transitions where, like, it moves the camera, like, behind the character's shoulder, so clearly... In any other game, it would move the camera behind the character's shoulder, and then he would take control. But in this game, it moves the camera behind his shoulders, and then it dips to black, and then it comes back, and now you're playing. Yeah. I'm like, well, why'd you even do the camera move? It wasn't going to be a seamless transition. It was. It's very weird. Another thing we should have mentioned, really, though, is that this game is really a stealth game. Yeah. Uh, it, it It is a stealth game. And I think that's maybe why they made the gunplay janky and kind of... Yeah, I mean, if Hard you, to wrangle. you have the focus ability that lets you do bullet time, basically. Yeah. And that and you, is, you, know, you, have a, and... you have a real reliable single headshot from that, basically. Yep. But after that, you better be ready. Yeah. I mean, that's why I just pour all my points into melee. Because the gunplay, you're ne- they're yeah. going to come get you. Meleeing and setting people on fire is definitely the most reliable method in this game that I've seen so far. Also, the, the crossbow is excellent. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy using the crossbow. And you can craft like special bolts for that yeah. that, are, that are like tipped with basically freaker blood. Yeah. And you can shoot a freaker with that. Then they'll start attacking the other freakers. And that is one highlight of the game, the hordes. Mm-hmm. Have you taken one down yet? No. I took my Still first haven't. Because you try. Have you tried? No. Okay. So now I did just try. Run from them. If I, I tried if immediately. If I see more than six zombies, I turn around and run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tried immediately. I came across one. They were all inside a railway car. Oh, yeah, I saw on an overpass. Yeah. So the first time I saw well, that. The, well, and the worst part is so that that's one of the first. Uh, like the the Nero places I yeah, liberated, yeah. and I I knew by then okay I got to cut down all the the speakers before I turn it on because the first time I did it everybody showed up I'm like okay I got it yep. and I missed the one under that underpass uh, and that's still on because I every there's this because the swarm is in those boxcars so every time I come by the swarm is like all <laughs> hanging out of the boxes so I can't get near it and it I'm just is like, still on it's just still there that's still kind on. of awesome actually yeah. that it's still working with the audio that's what issues I mean when this I say, game has yeah. like I'm surprised that works that's what I mean when I say like a sequel because like like there's there's the the kernel of some good stuff there in is there. also the tech is very the weather tech is very impressive yeah like, like there's a lot of cool tech stuff happening here there's just not a game to keep you interested in it yeah so i as soon as i saw that horde i was like this is what the game's about i'm gonna try to kill the freaking horde so i realized they were all in the train car and i'm like well i'm just gonna throw like two grenades in there and it'll kill them all so I did that. I went up. I threw two of my grenades in there, and I saw the bodies, like, fly against the walls. I'm like, oh, they're dead. Oh, no. Literally. It was like I didn't kill any of them. <laughs> like, within, like, three seconds, there was, like, five, like a 500 horde, like, coming down on me. I was dead. And so I didn't try it again for the next, like, almost 20 hours. And then yesterday, I finally took one down. But it takes a lot of pre-planning to make it happen. Mm. Like, you have to make sure all your ammo is stocked. You have to make sure you have all the grenades. You have to p- formulate a plan of how you're going to use the grenades. Preferably, and I did this, I had traps, because there are traps in the mm. game. And sometimes they get you, but you can take the trap, and then you can use that trap yourself as well, once they've been tripped or whatever. And so I just planned it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make sure I have a trap. I'm going to make sure I have all my grenades. And I'm going to make sure it's at the right time of day. And I managed to take out the horde. And honestly, the only way I took it out was with the bullet time. Because after a while, you can upgrade your bullet time. And you can get to where you can take out like three zombies like per bout of time. Mm. And that's the only way I beat it. 
and I barely beat it. Um, and that was with like eight health kits or whatever to get through it and a lot of running away and a lot of rolling and a lot of like, do I have enough time to heal my melee weapon? Because that's the other thing. It's like you can craft with your melee weapon and, and heal it basically after it's been damaged. Because again, melee weapons in this game just shatter after like four or five zombies. They're gone. Even like a fire axe, like after you take out three zombies, it's broken. So yeah, they, they try to balance the the damage something does with the durability, but yeah. like fire axes are pretty durable. Yeah, folks. man. Like <laughs> you can like chop fire, up more than four in this zombies. Game, the, fire the fire axe. axe has something like two two thirds the bar for damage and one third for durability. Yeah. No fire axe. Like if a fire axe broke that that easily, it wouldn't be a good fire. It axe. It wouldn't be a fire axe. Like, it would be a hatchet, yeah. which are also in the game yeah. and are considerably weaker. Um. So, I don't know. I, look, I've played this game for 20 hours. That says something, right? Nothing else came out this week? <laughs> yeah, it does say that. It does say that. But I could have quit. Like, it's I, not bad. I mean, it's, look, you, you I can wrap your head around this game in five hours. Yeah. I didn't need to play another 15. Yeah. I, I knew enough about the game at that point to be able to talk about it and tell people whether they should buy it or not. And I kept playing. So, that says something for it. Part of me is still playing just because I'm like, does this get better? Yeah. Is there more to it? I'm kind of waiting for it to teach me how to fight hordes. I'm kind of waiting to see if another camp shows up. I'm sort of waiting to like unlock the last like trust level with one of the camps so I can buy some of these guns. But then like, I don't, you know, yeah, we haven't even talked about all that about the trust levels with the camps. It's like you have different levels, and so if you go out and complete missions for them, it builds the trust level with them. Once you hit, like, trust level two, then it opens up a whole other mm. section of, like, you, then all of a sudden you can upgrade your bike an extra level, or you can get better weapons. And uh, oddly enough, you... your money is camp-specific. Yeah. So, like, you have a certain amount, of, you, you get credit at each camp for doing things. Which sucks. So just because you have a lot of money at one camp doesn't mean you have a lot of money at another camp. So, like, and that surprised which me I didn't understand point. at first, because I'm either. like, oh, I'm going to go upgrade the bike, but the bike upgrades were at a camp that I hadn't done as much at. Yep. So I well, they have... make you choose it kind of at the beginning of the game. It's like, do you want to upgrade your bike first, or do you want to have access to better weapons first? And once I had played the game for a couple hours, I was like, these guns are worthless anyway. Like, it's all about melee, and I'm so sick of running out of gas in the motorcycle that I'm upgrading the motorcycle. But in the end, upgrading the motorcycle doesn't, Did like help, doesn't help you with the gas. It, it doesn't at all. Um, Matt, you said you haven't had problems with this. I have been trapped out in the middle of nowhere and run out of gas. And it I've is, never run out of gas, but I'm constantly stopping at awful. gas stations. It is, if you get out in the boonies where there's nothing, there's no houses, you're not near the road, and you run out of gas, it sucks. Because you have to push the bike through the woods and down the trails. And like I said, my bike won't coast downhill. It will for a little bit, and then it will stop on a downhill. So you have to like walk the bike along. You could leave it and go to try to find the gas, but then you have to carry the gas can all the way back to the bike. So that's happened three times to me, where I was out in the middle of nowhere, ran out of gas, and I had to walk at least two miles, because you say there's gas everywhere. If you really get out in the boonies, there is not gas. Like, you, all you'll find is like a collection of cars here or there, maybe a shack. There's no gas in those areas. Like, I had to find, like, and basically get back to where a gas station was to well, get gas. I mean, there's gas at gas stations, and there's gas at any of the Nero, almost any of the Nero sites. And that seems, yeah. those all seem pretty evenly distributed around the map. But that's really where you have to go. Like, I haven't, like... Because the Nero looked... site has to have gas because you have to use the gas to fill up the generator, turn yeah. on the power to get inside it. And that stuff respawns in the same place every time. It does. So. But there, believe me, there are places where you can get trapped in this game where you're nowhere near either of those things. 
and you got to push that bike or walk and then come back. In fact, I got so tired of it one time that one of the other factions was riding on the road towards me. I shot him, killed him, stole his motorcycle, rode it back to the base, and quit. <laughs> I was like, I've had it. I'm like, I made it back to base. I'm done. Then I woke up the next day and started playing again, and the motorcycle was gone. And I had to run all the way from my base all the way to my motorcycle out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I figured that's how they do that. Yep. And that's not fun. That also, is... that's not how taking things works. No, it's not. Like if you can, if I don't understand why I can't strip someone's motorcycle for upgrades or oh, something. Oh, you can't do anything with other people's. All bikes. you can do is sabotage them and blow them up. Yep. And every, you can't even take fuel out. I know. Why can't you siphon it's fuel like, out? Why don't I have like a little tube that I can siphon right. fuel out of stuff? Talk like, about basic. Yeah. Like I mean, thing we, you'd have in that scenario. We can go on and on, but I will say I've had fun with it. Would I recommend this for a purchase for sixty bucks? No. No. I would recommend so many other games to buy before this is sixty yeah, I th- bucks. I think this is something to pick up cheap later in the year. Forty bucks. I would say twenty to thirty. Yeah. I could see somebody who really likes games like this paying 40 and being okay with it. I just don't think, if you really like games like this, I don't think there's enough meat on the bone. There's not. But that's why I say to buy it at 40 instead of 60. (laughs) I would just go further than that. (laughs) Like, this is a good option if, like, someone does, like, those buy two, get one free sales around Black Friday. Like, this would be a good one to get free. I think as a critic, this game is good for me, though, because Sony was becoming infallible. Mm -hmm. And now we've seen, okay... Even Sony makes bad, not bad games, but games that aren't Game of the Year contenders. Well, they don't, not everything's a home run. Yeah. And also, this is the second time they've had a primarily uh, portable one of their devs make a console PS4 game that did not turn out tremendous. You know, it was this, and before this, you had Ready at Dawn trying to make that leap with uh, Order 18... Yeah, 1886. Again, not a bad game, but just sort of a game and like you know i'm sure this game will resonate with some people but i wouldn't uh tell someone to risk 60 bucks on finding out whether that person they're that person or not yeah i mean the problem is we're in a pretty bad dry spell i mean may i don't know if you watch dossier the games of may but well the only thing that comes to mind is rage (laughs) right and which is kind of similar I feel like Rage is going to be better than... I oh, hope I, Rage is better I, than I, this. I have a feeling it's going For to be For the sake well. of my fantasy team, I yeah. hope Rage 2 is better than this. <laughs> but uh, I think a lot of people may just be forced to buy this, unfortunately, because there's just not much else to play right now. Um, and I guess if you're desperate, I could see it, but it's not great, people. It's just really not. Objectively, it's not a great game. Um, it is one of the worst first-party Sony games that I've played in a long time, since probably the PS3. Um, I mean, I think I like this a little better than Order 18. Yeah, I guess 80, you're right. Whatever. Yeah, I guess 18, you're right. 80, 1886. It looked, it looked better than this, but yeah, this plays way better. But that's not saying much. Yeah, and the, the Order didn't and have the, a lot the, of... The Order has the opposite problem. It's too short. Yeah, exactly. And this is too long for what it, it offers you. So, yeah, I, I would say 40 bucks. Matt's saying lower, 20 to 30 bucks. Uh, no matter what, we're both saying do not buy it at full price. Yeah, I would, I would not buy it right now. Yep, which brings us to our poll of the week. And again, if you're not following us on Twitter, follow us at, at Sifted Games. Every week we do a poll on our Twitter account, and then we talk about it here on Game Face. And this week's poll was related to Days Gone. Surprise, surprise. So bring it up, Sam. So Game, pa- game Face poll of the week was, based on reviews, when will you play Days Gone? 21% of you said immediately. And keep in mind that we put this poll up 
the day all the reviews came out, and there were reviews that were like 5 out of 10. That's a little extreme. No, that's insane. This is not a 5 out of 10 game. Even, look, on it might get a 5 out of 10 from us, but if you're reviewing on the 7 to 10 scale, this game is like a 7, 7.5. Yeah. That's what I were. If I were reviewing it GT, it would get a 7, 7.5, something like that. Um, so anyway, 21% of you, even with those reviews, said you are going to buy it immediately. No questions asked. I don't care what the reviews are. I've wanted this game. I'm going to buy it. 29% said at a price drop. So 30% of you all, we just told you what we thought the price, the appropriate price was to purchase it. So you may be waiting a while for it to get down to 40 or 30 bucks. Maybe not. Stuff drops, <laughs> stuff drops to 40 after like five weeks these days. Yep. Um, and it, I mean, interestingly, it's kind of split down the middle. I mean, 50% say they're pretty much never going to pay for it. And the other 50% say that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 20% said that you'll play it when it's free on PlayStation Plus, and 20% of you guys said never. I mean, if you look at that... Those are the Switch owners. Look at the distribution, though. 20 and 20, 21 and 29, 30 and 20. So you're basically split right down the middle of people who want to play the game or don't want to play the game, or are willing to pay money for the game, I mm-hmm. guess, really. Um, it's pretty interesting. I mean, almost to the percent. It's like 1% off. Uh, so, but it's interesting to know that you have at least of the people interested in the game, you have uh, almost six fifty nine percent that don't think it's worth paying full price for. Yeah, which is uh, probably not the results you get from say the same poll the day God of War's reviews went yeah. live. Absolutely you know? true. So, um, the reviews are pretty accurate. Although it is nice to see that like people are not blindly just buying a Sony exclusive yeah. for no. no That's reason. the twenty one percent. Yeah. Those are the Sony fanboys that Sony are going to fan- buy it no matter what. Sony fanboys are just people who want a zombie game now. And what are, what are your options? If, if you're into what Days Gone is doing, it's kind of the only game in town right now unless you want to play World War Z. Yeah. And that's a completely different yeah. style of game. Um, and then you wonder if The Last of Us Part Two isn't too far down the road. Mm-hmm. It's starting to look that way. So, I don't know. I mean, if you're someone who only can afford to buy a handful of games a year... You might want to wait and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, because I have a feeling The Last of Us Part Two is going to be way better. It's going out on a limb there. But... At the very least, the story will be better. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So there you go. That's Days Gone. Um, I'm probably going to keep playing it because, again, there's not much to play right now. Uh, and if my opinion changes or Matt's opinion changes over the next uh, week, we'll be sure to talk about it on next week's show. And with that... It's time to generate a massive copyright strike for Game Face episode 166 with our trailer of the week. I know this is going to send up copyright flags, but I don't care. For you, our paying customers, you're going to get to watch it. I'm sure I'm going to have to black over it for the YouTube version of this show. But as you probably guessed, our trailer of the week is for the debut trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie. minutes ago, 
An energy surge knocked out power across the entire Pacific Northwest. This needs someone who can figure out exactly what we're dealing with. You're not suggesting who I think you're suggesting. We have no choice. What the? Are you in charge here? Yes, I am. No! My Wrong. Wait. I'm in charge. Allow me to clarify. In a sequentially ranked hierarchy based on level of critical importance, the disparity between us is too vast to quantify. Agent Stone? The doctor thinks you're basic. Listen, pal, I don't know if you realize who- I'm sorry, Major, what was your name? Benny- Nobody cares! SFPD! Uh, meow? Ah, oh, come on. Okay, pal, I want answers. Basically, it looks like I'm gonna have to save your planet. No, but thank you for asking. Uh-oh. Whatever this creature is, our job is to secure it, neutralize it, see what makes it tick. Look at this. I took nine million steps today. Longer. I can't breathe in here. Do you have your child in that bag? No. I mean, yes, it's a child, but it's not mine. It's not your child. It smells like body spray in an old ham sandwich. <laughs> what I just realized is it actually. I'm hooking up the people who watch this on YouTube by blacking out that trailer. We're, we're subjecting our paying customers to that trailer. Wow. Oh, how the mighty have fallen with Jim Carrey. I cannot believe he is in this movie. Well, actually, yeah. I can because he plays the same character in every movie that he's in. Yeah, he's pretty much playing the Riddler. Yeah. But in a Robotnik costume. <laughs> I just can't believe so that that's the, that's the design for Sonic they went with. It's a very strange choice. Um, I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog movie was never going to be a good idea, but... No. It's probably going to be better. I didn't think Rampage the movie was a good idea, and it really wasn't, but it ended up being a watchable movie. I really struggle to see this as being watchable. Yeah, you'd think Sonic would at least look better than Garfield. In, in those movies from 10-some years it's all, ago. It's based on a tech property. Like, it should yeah. look better than that. I do think it will probably be better than Super Mario Brothers, the movie. I, yeah, uh, that's a really low bar. Because main... Well, because big-budget, like, tentpole things just aren't... They don't... They aren't pure madness like that movie was. Yeah. Like, it, it's... This, this looks like it's going to be, like... Eh. It's, it's going to be, like, just one of those things you're like, why? Whereas, like... Mario, Mario Brothers movie is like, what the hell were you on? Yeah. Like, like there I is, can appreciate that to a, at a certain level somewhat, at least. I mean, I mean, there is not enough cocaine <laughs> left in Hollywood to make Mario Brothers again because of how much it took to make Mario Brothers. And I do enjoy uh, Dennis Hopper. Because they used it all up when they made it the yeah. first time. Dennis Hopper used to tell a story about his son 
who, final, who saw the Mario Brothers movie, because Dennis Hopper's Koopa in that, right. saw the Mario Brothers movie and asked, asked him, Dad, why did you do this terrible movie? And uh, Dennis Hopper said, well, I said, well, son, uh, I did that movie because you needed shoes. <laughs> and he said, and his, his son said, Dad, I didn't need shoes that bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That movie looks like a disaster. A complete and total disaster. Let's get to some questions here. It's, I just don't know who the Sonic movie is really for. I feel like if you're a hardcore Sonic fan, you're just going to look at that and be like, what the hell are you doing? And if you're not a Sonic fan, you'll be like, wait, they made a movie out of that game from when I was a kid? Like, there's no, no middle ground. I guess they're banking on kids who like Sonic Boom. Yeah. To, like, <laughs> yeah that must like, be um, it. <laughs> hey, Twitter for fun. Thank you for the bits. At least it looks like you gave us bits. Yeah. They're hearts instead of diamonds. I don't know. I'm and not it, sure what that Also, means. in the wake of Detective Pikachu, that's going to look even worse. Oh, yeah. Because Detective Pikachu, I think, is going to do it right. It is interesting how that movie looks abysmal to us, but Detective Pikachu looks good to us. Well, because Detective Pikachu looks like they're doing the property upright. Yeah. Like, I look at Detective Pikachu and I recognize things and I see, like, they're taking the I mean, it'll probably be just as bad a movie, though. I don't think it will. Really? Uh, no, I don't. I think Detective Pikachu is going to be pretty good. I think Detective Pikachu is going to be the new best video game movie. Well, I know it's going to do really well, for sure. The It'll do very it. well, but I think it's, I, I don't think Ryan Reynolds would be involved in it if it wasn't good. Really? Because I, I don't think, after being burned as hard as he was on Green Lantern, I don't think he would sign up for something like that if he didn't think it was going to be of quality. Okay. Because um, remember, he's also one of us. That's true. Um, and, and I just think it's, I think it's going to work. I think the problem you have with most video game movies is you're trying to like directly adapt the story or the premise of the video game and that generally doesn't work because the stories and premises of video games are not very interesting or very strong when you're just going to have to lean entirely on the narrative which is what sonic is doing yeah whereas when it has no narrative whereas detective <laughs> pikachu like that's that's an idea yeah. like that's not a you know you're, you're just taking this idea that there's a talking pikachu in this world of pokemon and so not only do you get to do this sort of funny like unexpected dichotomy between the, this cute character and this like streetwise like danny devito style performance but you're take you're also showing people this world of pokemon that they've wanted to see in a more realistic live action fashion for like 20 some years but that's not the point of the movie like that's not what you're resting the success in the movie you're resting the success on this mystery story with these characters and that's why i think it's going to work interesting perspective uh let's get to some questions from y'all um, 1886. The Order 1886 was mm. in the game. Um, they're saying May isn't that bad. May 9th PC version of Yakuza Kiwami 2. Okay. <laughs> I still haven't started any 2019 game. Time to get on that GX gear. Um, the One Geo, thank you for subscribing via Twitch Prime. Appreciate it. Thanks to everybody who's uh, doing this at the end of the show. J Reed Vic 7, thank you. Uh, Mike's Q, thank you. Don Lionheart, thank you. Gohan Rage, thank you. Oh, yeah, and as a reminder, actually, it is at the end of the month, so those of you on Sifted or Patreon, it's probably time for you guys to go and re-up your uh, Twitch Prime subscription. That would be awesome. Uh, Majora Tom 91 uh, how far do you think the Sonic the Hedgehog movie sets back video game movies, or is it just more shit on the pile? You can't set something back that's already at square one. Yeah, it's, it's never, they've never went anywhere. They're still at the starting line. Yeah, 
It's bad. It looks really bad, though. Like, Detective Pikachu is not going to crack the code for video game movies, either. It's just a good idea for once. Because I think the previous best video game movie is probably Mortal Kombat, which is really only good because, not because it's based on a video game and does it right, but because both the movie and the video game draw from the same film sources. You know, the old 70s kung fu tournament movies. Yeah. Which were always B and C list films to begin with. So being sort of a schlocky romp like the Mortal Kombat movie is, you're just sort of being true to the material that inspired the game in the first place. So it kind of does an end run around the usual problem because it can just go straight to what inspired Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Whereas like something like Sonic the Hedgehog doesn't have that to work from. You have to work with a blue hedgehog and a weird man with goggles and... I guess shoehorn it into a buddy. I mean, comedy? Robotnik lost a lot and of weight then, too. <laughs> and then, like, I don't know. Then you license a Coolio song. Profit? I don't. I don't know. I don't think that's well, going to do too Mike well. Mike brings up a great, great question. Why did they use Gangster's Paradise for I this don't know. song? It makes no sense. None at all. Oh my gosh. Um, Super Corn on Blue, would you be interested in uh, Capcom remaking other RE games the way they did RE2? Absolutely. I, I think they are. Yeah, I think we've already talked about this, actually. Um, Code def- Veronica definitely needs to be remade. I think Code Veronica can be left alone. Or just left to die, history. left alone. Uh, but they've already talked about redoing Resident Evil 3 the same way. And yeah. I, think, I, I would also take a Resident Evil 1 remake along those lines because I don't like the Resident Evil 1 remake. The remake, yeah. Get rid of the... Get rid of the pre-rendered backgrounds forever on everything. They are not good things. Um, Valve said the flagship uh, title, Half-Life VR, will run on any headset, not just the Index. You think that's a good thing for Valve? What about for VR as a whole? I mean, couldn't hurt. I mean, it depends. If Valve really cares about the Index doing well, it's a terrible idea. If it just wants VR to do better in general, which it doesn't seem like it would be as incentivized for that, but if it does, then it's the right move. So, you know, it, it could be one of those scenarios where Valve is looking at it as all boats rise. You know, we'd rather have the industry of VR rise instead of us just making all the money on it because ultimately we will make more money on it if the industry in general is bigger. So, I think it depends on what Valve is trying to do. However, if it's objective is to make index the most successful vr hmd it is a mistake uh, w matthew nfl nba and nhl will never allow it but would you want an nba nfl street game i dislike sports games but love the nfl nba street games I mean, I wouldn't play them. Yeah. I liked them back in the day, but that was when I could just play them for free I in the like... game lab for like five minutes. Be like, that's cool. For me, the, the kind of the action sports translation thing begins and ends with NBA Jam, and that was a long time ago. Yeah. I feel like the whole arcade-style sports game thing ran out of steam a long time ago. Yeah. Like, they were there. Were, I feel like there were apexes for every sport. So, basketball very early with NBA Jam, as you said. Uh, with hockey, it was like Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey for the N64. Mm. Or if you want to go back even farther, you could find some other arcade stuff in 2D. But I think Wayne Gretzky 3D hockey was the epitome for arcade-style hockey games. There was a period where... Um, NFL Blitz was the epitome for the NFL. Yeah, well, there was a period where the NHL games, like, uh, I think the official... I can't remember if they were 2K or if they were... I think they were EAs. But there's a couple years where they kind of went weird... They kind of went like funny 
and like you could set a bunch of the settings down to basically turn it into like an arcade ice hockey game. Oh, yeah. And like you know, like the announcers were like goofball things. They weren't even trying to be serious and like the 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 arena announcements were like weird jokes about like, you know, to the spy on our audience, you know, don't trust the smiling penguin kind of thing. it was it, it yeah. was it was completely non-serious. Like even though it was the official NHL Yeah, they've game. had like little side modes. Like they've made like one button mode. They made mm. they make like NHL 94 mode. Yeah, but I I think yeah, I think uh, I just remember being able to dumb it down to the point that it felt like an arcade hockey game. Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey is amazing. It's a great great arcade sports game, but all of them peaked. Like baseball, was there ever even really an arcade style baseball game? Um, I think Other than going back to like RBI or No, whatever. I think I'd say baseball stars. SNK baseball stars. Oh, yeah. But it's, it, it hasn't it, been as prevalent. Well, it's baseball. Or popular. Yeah. <laughs> it's baseball. For a reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do I care about going back to those? What? Oh, Slugfest. Yeah. Yeah, I guess And it was. the one, what, what was the one where like all the, the balls were on fire and you could like punch the the... Was it Slugfest when they Slugfest? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. You could punch yeah, the, base, you punch the basement the when you get the... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that was so dumb. <laughs> but I, arcade sports games peaked a long time ago. It would be great if somebody could, like, revitalize them. But you just saw, like, um, they just put out that arcade-style basketball game, and it's just the same crap, but yeah. on new hardware. I'd like to see them bring back, like, the, the that brief period where everything was like robot sports oh yeah like super that baseball like 2020 yeah. and cyberball 2084 yeah. and so i'd like to see them bring back that idea yeah just for the fun of it just for the detail you could put into it now um, that was fun um oh taps what do you make of games receiving 10 out of 10 scores do you believe 10 out of 10 should be an attainable score was there editorial instruction at gt not to use 10 out of 10 if you can't attain it why is it there yeah, I mean it's always attainable. You should never, yeah, you should never set something if you don't think you can ever reach it. Um, my perspective on uh, ten out of tens, I've never given one. Uh, I think the closest I ever came was Super Mario Galaxy, I think, or Galaxy Two. But I think both those scores got like a nine point eight from from me at Game Trailers. But they were brought down because there was really no story in the game. And that was an element that I found important in a lot of games. And so it didn't get a 10 out of 10. Um, so my perspective is that there should not be many of them. And part of this may be that I was kind of reared at GameSpot in the early days. When I worked at GameSpot, when I first started there, there was one perfect 10. And while I worked there, two more were added. Uh, one was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Which is crazy. It is crazy. But Ryan... Yeah, Ryan Davis and Jeff Gersman were like really into it, and so was I. But I thought three was the, where it started to slide downhill. Well, no, because that's that was a big paradigm shift for that series because that was the first game in the series where you could link tricks between objects using reverts and manuals. And that and I didn't it, like that. But see, that it did completely change the game, though, because that's why I didn't like it. Right, I get it. But it, it, if you actually got into it, you could become a much better player once they added that stuff yeah i just i felt like after that after they put those in the level design went off a cliff because they no longer had to design the levels to be able to be navigated like that through like without you can link it yourself linking yeah, yeah so the, so the linking to me always felt like it it brought the whole thing down because 
these brilliant levels were not there anymore. Like, it, like the, yeah, the first but I think two it, games are so I think it good opened up your approach to the levels, though, because you're right. Like, the way the first couple games were designed, it was basically just a roller coaster ride. You mm-hmm. knew... You had to find the lines. Yeah, you, you had, found like, the line, and then you took the same line, and you could get, like, all the tape, object, everything on mm-hmm. one run if you knew what you were doing. And what I liked about them changing it was it was no longer forcing you to find that line. It was you finding your own line that worked for you. And as someone who skated for over a decade, that was more like skateboarding to me. Yeah, I just wasn't looking for skateboarding. No, I, I hear you. For a video I, game. I can understand your perspective totally. So, Tony Hawk 2, I'd probably say was a 10 out of 10. Like that, that, of, all of, the, of all of them, that would be the one I would argue for as a 10. Nobody out of 10. touched the Tony Hawk games at GameSpot. Jeff Gersman reviewed those. You didn't even ask for him. Even though I I'd literally, and I was still a skater when I started working at GameSpot, had been skating for over a decade, and I didn't review Tony Hawk. That was Jeff Gerswin. He always reviewed that. Um, as far as not giving a 10 out of 10, it just hasn't happened for me, unfortunately. And it would be really tough for a game to get a perfect 10 on Sifted now. Um, I gave 5 out of 5s. At yeah. X play five out of five was was a much like lower. It's bar. easy, it was, much easier than a ten. It was a much yeah. much more general recommendation. Yeah, um, but yeah. So at GameSpot, there were like there was one ten out of ten. Then Tony Hawk got one, and then some JRPG got one while I was there. But it was just I think it was ingrained by the editorial staff there that a ten out of ten is like the pinnacle, and so you need to make sure that these games are as close to flawless as possible. And I think that aesthetic just carried through editorially for me for the years after that. Um, and it just, since then, it just hasn't worked out. But I don't, I was never a, a adverse to giving someone, a, like if someone came into my office at GT and was like, I want to give this game a 10 out of 10, I never would have said, no, 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 you're not doing that. Um, nobody ever did. But if they would, I would sit them down and make them defend it and explain to me why they think that game deserves a perfect score. So yeah, I don't think it's some um, unattainable unicorn that you'll never reach. I think with some scoring systems, it's easier. With some scoring systems, it's harder. Man, there um, have been some crazy 10 out of 10s on GameSpot, meanwhile. I know. Since wow. then, yeah. Well, once Greg Kasavin left and, like, all the editorial people left and it was just filled yeah. in with... Although, I got to go way back for the one that I... Qu- Although, Divinity Original Sin 2 is a weird 10 out of 10. Yeah. But my biggest gripe 10 out of 10, I think, in their history is Chrono Cross. That's what that, I say. That was a JRPG I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, that is yeah. not a 10 out of... That's not even an 8 out of 10. Interesting story. The guy who reviewed that is the guy who now runs the studio that made Skullgirls. And huh. now they're working on, what, Indivisible, I think, is the new RPG they're yeah. working on? Yeah, he reviewed that game for GameSpot. And I remember Kasavin. I sat outside his office, and I remember him grilling him over the phone for, like, an hour and a half. I'm not exaggerating. And he would not relent. And he's like, okay, 10 out of 10 it is. And there were people on staff who were not happy about it. Even though the guy who reviewed it is absolutely awesome, great guy. But yeah, I think there were people at GameSpot that weren't happy. It was a freelancer too. And the other controversy while I was there was a review for Shenmue, which, yeah. which GameSpot actually nailed. It was like they gave it a 6.8 or whatever. And now it is totally, a 6.8 might be generous for that game now. But back then, oh my gosh. Our poor editor, I think his name was Frank Provo, was the guy who reviewed that at GameSpot. And man, that was the first time I really saw internet hate. Hmm. And then I saw it again when I reviewed uh, Sonic Adventure 2. So, <laughs> and that go. 10 out of 10 lineup, is that's a lot of questionable shit. Yeah, it's, wow. after, after like that core editorial team left, like that place just... Hey, look, I'm not a, trying to bang on anybody, but the editorial quality at GameSpot mm-hmm. is not what it once was. So that's just the truth. All right, let's answer maybe one more. 
And I'm so, looking at a poll. It's a poll of like which which 10 out of 10 is the most ridiculous one to get a 10. And the winner of the poll is Grand Theft Auto 4. Really? With 18% of the vote. Wow. That's kind of surprising. Grand Theft Auto 4. A lot of people never played Chrono Cross, I think. Chrono Cross is loved by people who are 12 when it came out. Grand Theft Auto 4, on the other hand, everybody soured on real quick. Um, Jay Palat, I think. I need glasses. I, I seriously need glasses at this point. Jay Palat, thank you for subscribing uh, via Twitch Prime. Appreciate it, brother. Or sister. Whatever it may be. Uh, the one Gio, what did this, you know, if we ask Matt what he thought of Endgame, we'll be here for another hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe next week. Maybe after I've seen it. I'm actually going to go see it in the theater. I've finally been convinced to do it. It, um, is, uh, it should have been called Avengers Sticking the Fucking Landing. There you that? go. He likes it a lot, like everybody else. I have, I have not met a single person who did not love it. Not just like it, love it. Which has convinced me to go see it. Mm-hmm. So, um, That might be it for questions. Yep. That's it. So thanks everyone for joining us on the stream. Really appreciate it. It makes this show go, and it makes it awesome. Uh, folks who are watching this on YouTube, please help us out with Twitch Prime. It costs you nothing. You can give us $2. If you watch the show, why wouldn't you do it? You could change our world, change our life for doing nothing and paying nothing. It, it's really simple. So hopefully you will. Uh, like I said, look for submissions for questions for Pactor Factor beginning tomorrow. It'll be across everything, all social media, all our outlets, and everything like that. Uh, so that's it. We'll see you next week. Game Face is up and out.